RetroSeasons.com for more sports history. The Denver Broncos faced the Cleveland Browns at Cleveland Stadium for the AFC Championship game on Sunday, January 11, 1987. Denver was coached by Dan Reeves and won the AFC West in 1986 under fourth-year quarterback John Elway. Cleveland was led by third-year coach Marty Schottenheimer. They were coming off a thrilling double-overtime win over the Jets in the divisional round of the playoffs a week earlier. This audio recording is from the NBC radio broadcast, featuring announcers Mel Proctor and Dave Rowe. Hello, everybody. Mel Proctor along with Dave Rowe speaking to you from Cleveland Stadium in Cleveland, Ohio, on a cold, windy afternoon. Temperatures in the 30s. The wind blowing out of the northwest is 17 miles per hour. And with a windshield factor, it feels like it's six degrees as the Denver Broncos and Cleveland Browns square off for the AFC Championship. The winner of today's game will meet the winner of the Giants-Redskins game on January the 25th in the Super Bowl in Pasadena, California. Today's game is brought to you by Bud Light, the light beer with the first name and taste. Everything else is just a light. By State Farm, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. By Ryder Truck Rentals. By Mr. Goodwrench. No one knows your GM car better than Mr. Goodwrench. No one. By Everetti Lighting Products, all kinds of flashlights for every kind of need. And by Vicks Throw Drops and new Vicks Vitamin C Drops. The Denver Broncos last played in the AFC title game in 1977 when they beat the Raiders to advance to the Super Bowl. For the Browns, it'll be their first appearance in an AFC championship game. They last played in a title game in 1969 for the NFL championship, losing to the Minnesota Vikings. The Broncos won the AFC's Western Division with an 11-5 mark. They beat New England in a playoff game last week, 22-17 in Denver. And the AFC Central Division Browns finished their regular season with a 12-4 mark and one of the greatest comebacks in playoff history last week. They rallied from a 20-10 deficit with 4-14 left in regulation and beat the New York Jets in double overtime, 23-20. Dave Rowe, we talk about the weather. It's cold, it's windy. How will that affect the two quarterbacks in these two teams? Well, both these quarterbacks have thrown in cold weather. Both these quarterbacks know what the conditions are like. They've experienced them all season long. But I tell you, Mel, this gives a lot of credibility, credibility to the fact that they should play playoff games in neutral sites in warm, in warm climates or have dome stadiums because weather is an important factor here today. The wind is whipping off that water. We've seen heavy snow. We've seen light snow. We've seen wind. And it's just all over the field. The wind affects wherever you are. It'll affect the passing game differently. The Browns are favored by roughly three points, playing before a sellout crowd of over 80,000, many of them wearing dog faces and dog ears and barking and woofing. How much of a factor is the home field advantage? Well, if I was a visiting team and I was going to the, I guess you'd say that's the east end zone, I would try to, to avoid that. That is amazing. That end zone, there must be uh, 75 rows of people, and they are unbelievable. They call it the dog area. Or <laughs> the whatever. dog pound. The dog pound. It is an unbelievable sight. I have never in all my years of playing football seen the emotion that this crowd has. This is an unbelievable crowd. I just had a fantastic time just walking around listening to them. And we are ready to go from Cleveland as Rich Carlos tees it off. The Browns won the toss and will receive back deep. For the Cleveland Browns, the dangerous Gerald McNeil, the Ice Cube, is the only man in the NFL this year to return a punt and a kickoff for touchdown. He's standing at the goal line. Carlos, the barefoot kicker, and I imagine his toes are freezing in this weather. And here we go from Cleveland. Rich Carlos drives a high, short, end-over-end kick. It'll hit, bouncing around at the five-yard line. And it's picked up and run out of bounds. 
by Herman Fano of the Cleveland Browns. He thought the ball was going to go out of bounds, waited for it, it never bounced out of bounds. And now that was and, an unbelievable uh, kick. He's knocked out of bounds himself at the about the 19. Now that, that shows you how the wind played a factor, Mel. The wind, the ball was actually kicked. It looked as if it was going to go out of bounds. It just kind of bobbled there. And he had to field it on the five-yard line, about a yard in from the sideline. The Cleveland Browns open with Kevin Mack and Ernest Biner in the backfield. Biner was just activated. He tore up an ankle in the seventh week of this season. They got two good running backs in there. Kozar, of course, is the quarterback for any Kozar. And the pitch on first down is to Mack on a sweep right. He's hit, breaks the tackle, and lunges forward to the 21-yard line. Brought down by Lewis Wright, the five-time pro bowler, in his 12th year. On the offensive line for the Browns, Ricky Bolden is the left tackle. Cody Ryzen, a pro bowler, on the right side. The guards are Paul Farron. And Dan Fike is the right guard. Mike Babb is the center. The wide receivers are Reggie Langhorn and rookie Webster Slaughter. The tight end is the Wizard of Oz, Ozzie Newsom. Gain of one, second down and nine for the Browns. Moving left to right from Cleveland Stadium. Webster Slaughter is wide to the left. And put out to the right side is Brian Brennan. He goes in motion. Kozar on the handoff to Kevin Mack running to his right. And he's knocked out of bounds at about the 22. A tough one-yard pickup. And again, it was Lewis Wright coming up from his left cornerback spot to make the tackle. Well, it's so hard to get outside against this Denver Bronco defense. They played a 34 defense. They play three down linemen, four linebackers. And their four linebackers are as good as any linebackers in the league. Very, very mobile. Not great physical specimens. Strong, but very, very quick. Herman Fontenot is into the backfield now for the Cleveland Browns. Langhorn is put out wide to the right. Brennan is wide to the left. Fontenot, a good receiver, is the lone setback. Third and eight for Bernie Kozar. He takes the snap, drops back to throw, getting some pressure. Now running to his right, throws on the run. It's almost picked off. Randy Robbins nearly had it, and he would have been in for a touchdown if he'd caught it, but it's incomplete. And it was Robbins who picked off a pass and ran it in 62 yards for a touchdown the last time these teams met in 1984. And he really should have had that ball. He stepped right in front of the receiver. He was on, a, on the run. Kosar just started to step up in the pocket in the last minute. He just winged the ball there. He never picked up the secondary reaction to it, and they, were, they really dodged the bullet on that play. So Cleveland is unable to move on their first possession. Jeff Gossett is into punt. He has never had a punt blocked in his NFL career. Gerald Wilhite is standing back at the Denver 39 awaiting the kick. And it's a poor, wobbly kick hitting at midfield. It takes a Cleveland bounce inside the Denver 45, and it will be down at the 42-yard line. The Broncos will have excellent field position. Major Everett, a special team star down there to down it. He got a good roll on a 37-yard punt. So the Broncos begin this drive from the Denver 42. John Elway is the quarterback. The running backs are Sammy Winder, Gerald Wilhite, the wide receivers, Vance Johnson, who caught a touchdown pass last week against New England, and Steve Watson. Orson Mobley is the tight end, although they have activated Clarence Kay, who spent the last four weeks in a drug rehabilitation program. Denver moving left to right. The Broncos wearing their orange jerseys, white pants, blue helmets, and 80,000-plus begin to howl. John Elway will throw on first down, guns it over the middle, incomplete through the hands of his tight end, Orson Mobley. Eddie Johnson back in coverage. There were some questions of whether he would start. He's banged up with a bad knee and a bad ankle, but he is in the starting lineup. Yeah, he has a big job in front of him. He is outsized a lot by Orson Mobley. The tight end is six foot six. Eddie Johnson's only six foot one. There's a big, big matchup difference there in height. He's got his hands full today trying to cover Orson Mobley. Steve Watson puts out wide to the right. Vance Johnson slotted on the right side. Tight end Mobley is in motion left to right. Elway back to throw, getting some pressure, retreating a screen pass incomplete, and there's a penalty marker down. 
He tried to hit Sammy Winder, but the screen never materialized, and Elway was getting a lot of pressure. And it looks like it's going to be defensive holding way downfield. Uh, it must have happened 20 yards from the play. It was on the entire opposite side of the field. Against Denver. By the way, the referee today is Chuck Heverling. The umpire is Gordon Wells. The head linesman is Ed Merrion. The line judge, Bill Reynolds. The back judge, Ben Tompkins. Gary Lane is the side judge. The field judge is Johnny Greer. And Jim Tunnig is the alternate. And that was an interesting call. That was against Orson Mobley. He was on this side of the field, the near side of the field. The penalty was a screenplay. The other side of the field, they called Mobley for downfield blocking while the pass was being thrown in it pass interference. Sam Clancy, a pass rushing specialist, checks in for Cleveland. It'll be second down and 10 now for the Broncos following the penalty from the 32-yard line. Offensive pass interference, number 80, number 89. A penalty will be declined. Third down. So they declined the penalty. It was against Orson Mobley. Third down. Third down and 10. No, second down. <laughs> Well, they haven't moved the sticks. I thought he, I thought we heard the referee say it was going to be third down. It'd be third down about almost 20 yards. The down marker still indicates I second know. down. Scoreboard reads third down. And it's beginning to snow again. The wind really whipping off Lake Erie. Some strange sight here at Cleveland Stadium. One of the strangest was a sailboat out on Lake Erie before the game. It said on the uh, sail, it said, go brown. Oh, I couldn't believe coming over here, too. We, we passed the car. And a guy was driving, had a football helmet on as he was driving down. I think, uh, I don't know what they're doing. We're having a conference here with the officials, and now they're deciding, I think they're going to decide whether to take the penalty or not. They may change their mind on that. Offensive pass interference on number 89. The penalty will be accepted. It's second down. So they will accept the penalty on pass interference, and it'll be second down. Second down from the 32-yard line will be second and 20 now. John Elway will go from the shotgun. Steve Watson is in motion. And the crowd really getting loud. Elway retreating to throw, getting pressure from the right side, stepped up in the pocket, now going to run across the 30, trying to get out of bounds, and he's chased off the 33-yard line by Chip Banks, the pro bowl linebacker, who's been a pro bowler for the last five seasons, making it again this year. And Mel, coming into this game, one of the big questions was going to be the mobility of John Elway, whether that ankle that he sprained so severely last week would, would work for him, whether he would be hobbled. That time he showed he's got the mobility. He ran probably 25 yards. The Browns will go with six defensive backs as Mark Harper and Felix Wright check into the game. Third down and 18 for Denver on a windy afternoon from Cleveland. John Elway will pass for 3,485 yards during the regular season. Back to throw, dumps it over the middle, complete. To Gerald Wilhite. Wilhite running toward the far sideline, upended at the 49 yard line. Two of the Browns knocking him out of bounds, Ray Ellis and Chip Banks combining on the tackle. And now the wind and the snow are really beginning to pick up. Well, we're getting what they call lake squalls, where that wind comes off the lake and it picks up moisture. We're right on the edge. We can look out and see the water, and the snow is pouring down here. Mm. Mike Horan, who averaged 49 yards a kick last week against New England, is in the punt into a driving wind and snow. Gerald McNeil, appropriately named the Ice Cube, standing back at the 10. <laughs> He'll fit right in today. If the wind doesn't blow him away, he only weighs 147 pounds. Snowing hard, and the wind is really blowing right into the face of the punter, Horan, as he awaits the snap from Keith Bishop. No score from Cleveland. A wobbly snap, the left footer gets it away, and it's a good kick, but the wind holds it up, and it goes out of bounds 
at the 13-yard line. Great placement by Haran, who's done a marvelous job since joining Denver. He really has. They call him the touch. He has that touch where he can drop it inside the 20-yard line, and he has been very, very effective this year. And we've got a timeout with 12.37 remaining in the first quarter from Cleveland. The Broncos and the Browns are scoreless. As head of this very successful company, you all know I hate yes-men. Yes, I want employees who aren't afraid to tell me what they think. Yes, sir. Fine. Now, to save money, I want to switch from AT&T long distance to another service. Yes, sir. Then it's settled. Yes, sir. Uh, sir? Willoughby? It would be a major mistake to replace the high quality of AT&T. A major mistake? Oh. Yes, sir. Won't we save a lot of money? Yes, sir. Maybe not. What? See, sir, on January 1, AT&T has lowered their out-of-state day and evening direct dialed rates across the board. Are you saying I'm wrong? Yes, sir. Quiet! Because on top of those price reductions, AT&T offers volume discount calling plans like Pro-America and Pro-State for even greater value. Willoughby. Sir? For proving me wrong and embarrassing me in front of all my employees, I'm going to... Yes, sir? Resign, open a frozen yogurt stand, and make you president of this very successful corporation. Ooh. Willoughby. First of all, I want you all to know I hate yes men. Yes, sir! AT&T long-distance service. Reliable, clear connections. Now at an even greater value. AT&T, the right choice. From the waves of the with Dave Rowe back at Cleveland Stadium on a cold, windy afternoon, and obviously the weather is going to be a factor. These teams have never met in postseason play until today. Denver leads the all-time series 8-3, to three, and the Broncos have won the last seven games between these two teams. I think, Dave, on a day without the wind, the cold, the snow, we might expect a high-scoring game with Bernie Kozar and John Elway, but on a day like this, who knows what to expect. Well, after that ball goes 10 yards, now it just starts to flutter, so passing should not be a factor today, especially if the wind keeps up. First down for the Browns, beginning this drive from their 13-yard line. Biner and Macker in the eye formation. Bernie Kozar with a play-action fake, back to throw. They're going to blow this play dead. Penalty markers are down. Look like the right tackle, Cody Risen, may have moved early. False start, right tackle. Five yards, first down. Ryzen, who was named to the Pro Bowl for the first time. That'll set the Browns back to the nine-yard line. Herman Fontenot checks in. They like to use him in passing situations. And Ernest Biner comes out. Now, we are going to be able to see this game, aren't we? <laughs> that snow's coming down in our spot. It's coming down hard here. First down and 15 from the Cleveland nine. Kozar back to throw from his old goal line. Looks to his right, guns the pass. It's caught by Ozzie Newsom. Out of bounds at the 13-yard line. Lewis Wright was there in coverage, but he was juggling the pass and couldn't hold it. So it's an incompletion. Yes, Mel, you have to have control of that ball when both feet come down. Whether you're inbounds or out of bounds, that's quite a quite a story. They called it the completed pass. He bobbled the ball when he came down. Are you surprised, Dave, how frequently both Kozar and Elway are trying to throw under the, the weather conditions, into this wind? And... Well, neither one of them are really great running teams. Sammy Winder had his best day last week, but Cleveland has not gotten this far by via the run, so they have got to pass the ball. Second down and 15 from the nine-yard line. Webster Slaughter is wide to the left. Herman Fondo is in motion out of the backfield. Kozar backpedals into the pocket, getting pressure, steps up, now running laterally, heading for the far sidelines. He stumbles, and he's pushed out of bounds at the 12-yard line. 
Kozar is not a very mobile quarterback. He averaged 0.8 yards per rush this year, unlike his counterpart, John Elway, who's a great scrambler. Yes, absolutely. Bernie Kozar, a lot of people say that he avoids, he avoids that pressure by getting rid of the ball quickly. And that time, he just has no one to throw to. The, the wind is swirling. He's looking into the face of a lot of Broncos, especially the Bronco defense, because they, they move these linebackers away. Mecklenburg moves inside, outside. They just move all over the place, especially Hunley and, and Mecklenburg. Clarence Weathers is in. He and Brian Brennan split out wide to the left side. Reggie Langhorn is wide to the right. Passing situation for Bernie Kozar. Fontenot is the lone setback. Kozar on third and 12. Back to throw. Setting up at the four. Fires the pass. is caught at the 25-yard line by Reggie Langhorn. And he's got a first down. Hit immediately by Randy Robbins and Lewis Wright. But a big play by Kozar getting the Browns out of the hole. They really did get him out of the hole. That was a big down. If he doesn't make that and the Broncos are able to hold him, they're going to have to punt from deep in their own territory. But Kozar, who threw last week for an NFL record playoff number of throws, has just decided he's going to throw the ball today regardless of what the weather is. Kozar against the Jets completed 33 of 64 passes for 489 yards. The attempts, the completions, and the yardage all NFL playoff marks. First down for the Browns. At the Cleveland 25, no score with 11.34 remaining in the first quarter. Three wide receivers for the Browns. Long count by Kozar. He'll throw again. Back he goes, looking to his left. Guns the pass, and it's caught near the 40-yard line by Herman Fontenot, and he's wrestled down by the right quarterback, Mike Harden. But it's another first down for Cleveland. Kozar amazingly throwing with the wind gusting the way it is. Well, it really helps that this lineman, too. They'll give him that lane to throw in. He's not that particularly that tall a quarterback, so he needs that lane to throw in. That time, his offensive line took the rush of Denver, just kind of spread him out, made him come around the outside. He stepped up in the pocket, found his receiver, and just drilled the bullet there. Webster Slaughter goes wide to the left. Brennan and Fontenot put out wide to the right. First and 10 at the Cleveland 38-yard line. The tight end, Harry Holt, shifts from the left side to the right side. Kevin Mack is a lone setback. Kozar on the handoff to Mack, starts up the middle, bounces to the outside, running to his right across the 40, puts his head down and drives to the 43-yard line. A gain of about five yards as Tom Jackson and Tony Lilly make this stop. We've got the two oldest linebackers in the NFL involved in this game, Tom Jackson, Brad Van Pelt of Cleveland. They're both 35. Jackson is a day older than Van Pelt. Well, and Jackson's quite an inspiration for the Broncos, as is Van Pelt for the Cleveland Browns. Both of them very vocal, emotional players, and really juice their respective defenses up. Second down and five from the Cleveland 43-yard line. Fontenot and Langhorn are wide to the left. Webster Slaughter is wide to the right. Kozar turns and hands to Kevin Mack straight ahead across the 45-50 into the Denver territory and tackled at the Bronco 42-yard line. Lewis Wright, Tony Lilly on the stop, but Kevin Mack, the Browns' leading rusher, rips off another first down. One of, the, one of the concerns I had going down on the field and walking around was the footing there. This is uh, this field has been torn up, but they rolled it. They put a lot of sand down. They painted it. The field looks as if it's staying in pretty good order right now. Max carried four times for 22 yards. The first down for the Browns moving at the Denver 42. And again, it's Mack getting the call. Blasting up the middle inside the 40 to the 38-yard line. A gain of four. Carl Mecklenburg on the stop. He's headed for the Pro Bowl, the four-year veteran from Minnesota. Broncos defensively have Rulon Jones, Greg Cragen, and Andre Townsend up front. The linebackers on the outside, Jim Ryan and Tom Jackson. The inside backers are Carl Mecklenburg and Ricky Hundley. At the corners, Lewis Wright and Mike Harden. Strong safety is Steve Foley and the free safety, Dennis Smith. Randy Robbins is also seeing a lot of action in that spot. Smith missed last week's game with a bad knee. 
Now, one of the things the Broncos have got to do is get that penetration up front. They cannot go man for man with sides because Cleveland outweighs their defensive front. Langhorn is wide left. Slaughter is wide to the right. Fontenot and Mack are the running backs. Kozar with a play-action fake. Rolling to his right, being chased. He's hit as he unloads, and it's deflected and falls incomplete. He tried to hit Herman Fontenot. He couldn't hold it. The ball squirted into the air and was nearly picked off by Lewis Wright, and it falls incomplete. They really need to run the ball in this situation. They had third down. They had second down at about six yards to go. I would have kept it on the ground, especially Kevin Mack, because he had such good vision into the hole. He saw the seam. They will pick up big yards. They've driven this ball from their own 13 via the ground. Bernie Kosar has completed two of five passes for 26 yards so far. Third down and seven from the Denver 39-yard line. No score from Chile Cleveland. Back goes Kosar. Looks over the middle. He's got Fontenot at the 20. Inside down to the 15-yard line. Another first down. Dennis Smith dropped him at the 15-yard line, and it'll be a first down for the Cleveland Browns. Deep in Denver territory. And when Fontenot came off the ball, he immediately was picked up by Jim Ryan, the outside linebacker from, from Denver, and he completely fooled him. He gave a little hitch fake. He went back to the middle. He was running right down the center of the field, wide open, had a 10-yard lead over Jim Ryan, who was trying to cover him. Bernie Kosar likes to use a lot of different receivers. Last week against the Jets, he threw to nine different receivers. First down for Cleveland, moving left to right at the Denver 15-yard line. Slaughter is wide to the left. Langhorn is put to the right. Gozar takes the snap, hands to Kevin Mack, flashing up the middle, breaking tackles inside the 10, down to the 9-yard line. Andre Townsend, the right defensive end, made the tackle. Gozar really mixing his plays well, Dave. Very, very well. But that's a good example right there of the vision that Mack has. He was starting to run that, that play was designed to go off tackle. That's what they call about the five to seven hole, numbers numerically. All of a sudden, he cut back over the guard, found a seam. Mack has got great vision. That's why they rushed. A couple years ago, they rushed for over 1,000 yards apiece. Brian Brennan is in the game now. He's wide to the right. Webster Slaughter is wide to the left. Second down and five. From about the nine-yard line, Fondo is in motion. Kozar gives to Mack straight ahead. He's straightened up by Rulon Jones, who brings him down at the nine, a tough one-yard pickup for Kevin Mack, who gained over 1,000 yards last year. Both he and Ernest Biner gained over 1,000 last season, but they brought in a new offensive coordinator in Lindy Infante, and they've emphasized the pass this year with great success. Well, they've been able to move the ball down the field, and if you have that balance between run and pass, you can move the ball effectively. That's what the Cleveland Browns did not have in the past. They were known as a running team power football but with Kozar and his leadership ability back there and the ability to find that open receiver, that's what you want to do. Have that balance between run and pass. Webster Slaughter, Reggie Langhorn is put out wide to the left. Clarence Weathers is wide to the right side. Kozar retreating, looks to his right, guns the pass, is caught at the seven-yard line by Brennan. There's a penalty marker down, and now they're waving it off and saying it's an incomplete pass. He trapped it. We've got a flag down. Holding against Denver is the preliminary indication by Chuck Heverling. That probably will bring up a first down. It's third down about three. Would have brought up a field goal position to kick a field goal, and I believe that'll give him a first down inside, the, probably inside the five-yard line. Holding defense number 20. That's the distance to the goal. First down. Penalty against Lewis Wright, the 12-year veteran from San Jose State. So it'll be first and goal to go at the four-yard line. Double tight ends in the game now. Travis Tucker and Harry Holt for Cleveland. Giving the Browns an emotional lift to have Ernest Biner back. 
He's a fiery, emotional type player in addition to being a fine running back and a good blocker. First and goal to go, and Viner is in there with Kevin Mack. They're split behind Kozar. Take to Mack. Kozar throwing into the end zone, and it's dropped in the end zone. Harry Holt was unable to hold it. They don't throw to Holt very often. But that one would have been six if he'd held on. Well, they faked a great running play-action pass. He faked into the line. Everybody thought that Biner or Mack was going to get the ball. Harry Holt snuck off the line. He was wide open. He just The ball kind of wobbled in that wind, and he just didn't come down with a catch. He should have caught that ball. That was a big one. Major Everett checks into the Browns' backfield. Normally, he's a special teams player. Second down goal to go from the four-yard line. Kevin Mack. And Everett are in the eye formation with Everett to lead back. The pitch to Mack running to his left, and he fumbles the football. A big pile up near the five-yard line, and the Browns have recovered. Travis Tucker recovered it. Well, that could have been a crucial play. The fumble down on the four or five-yard line. They're going into the end zone that they like to go into towards the doghouse, I guess you'd call it. So they, they call that area the dog pound. The dog pound. Well, there's a lot of dogs down there, and I'm saying that with respect to the people here in Cleveland. People wearing dog masks and have their faces painted, and they throw dog bones and biscuits out of the field. They bark. Third down, goal to go from the six-yard line. Webster Slaughter and Reggie Langhorn go wide to the left. Clarence Weathers is wide to the right. Fontenot is a lone setback. Running in motion. Back goes Kozar. Swings it out of the backfield to Fontenot. Breaks the tackle, and he is in for a touchdown. Herman Fontenot was hit at the five-yard line by the strong safety, Tony Lilly. Broke the tackle and took it in for a touchdown. The Browns have the lead. As Fontenot came out of the backfield, he's swinging one-on-one -on -one with the coverage. Lilly kind of flipped a little bit, tried to dive at his leg. He hit Fontenot, but Fontenot was able to jump over top of him and go in for a score. Jeff Gossett will hold for Mark Mosley, who was the hero last week, kicking a field goal in the second overtime to give the Browns the win over the Jets. It's 6-0 Cleveland, and they're howling in the dog pound. And this is the culmination of an 87-yard drive in this kind of weather, Mel. That's, that's tremendous. Ball is spotted down by Gossett. Mosley's kick is good. With five minutes, 19 seconds remaining in the first quarter in this AFC championship game from Cleveland, it's the Browns seven and the Broncos nothing. The right parts. Mr. Goodwrench has the right replacement parts for your General Motors car. Parts that fit. Engineered for your car by people who designed your car. Parts for every make and every model of virtually every GM car and light truck on the road today. So keep that great GM feeling with genuine GM parts and Mr. Goodland. No one knows your GM car better. No one. Alka-Seltzer presents Rescues from Modern Living. Today, the coffee clutch. The other morning, me and the girls got together at Thelma's for coffee. She served a strudel. She said the recipe had been in her family for years. I think the strudel was. No wonder they call it a coffee clutch. By the time I left, I was clutching my head and stomach. When your body is feeling antisocial, send the bubbles of Alka-Seltzer to the rescue. Because speed is what you need to relieve your sour stomach with a headache. Fast. Alka-Seltzer to the rescue. only as directed. A moment in the NFL. It was the year Elma Layden resigned as commissioner of the NFL and was replaced by Burt Bell, co-owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Bell moved the league headquarters from Chicago to the Philadelphia suburb of Bella Kinwood. It was the year substitutions were limited to no more than three men at a time. And it was the year the NFL became a coast-to-coast -coast league by allowing the Cleveland franchise to move to Los Angeles. 
It was the year that saw the formation of the rival All-American Football Conference with eight teams. That year was 1946. This is Jack O'Rourke. The Cleveland Browns drove 91 yards on 15 plays. Bernie Kosar completing a five-yard pass to Herman Fondo, and Mark Mosley's conversion has given the Browns a 7-0 lead. You mentioned Denver's won the last seven games between these two teams. Cleveland's last victory was here at Cleveland Stadium in 1974 when they won 23-21. Denver's won four of the five games played here, but the Browns lead this one 7-0 as Mosley tees it up. Ken Bell and Gene Lang are back deep for the Denver Broncos, standing at the 10 awaiting the kick. More importantly, they were able to control the clock and control the tempo of the game. Here's Mosley's kickoff. High short kick into the wind will be taken by Bell at the 10. Straight ahead to the 15, to the 20. He's nailed right there, but there's a penalty marker down. The Browns take great pride in their special team. D.D. Hoggard was down there to really lay a hit on Bell. Of course, that flag was thrown away from the ball. It's thrown probably 15 yards upfield. So it's something, some type of action that happened coming downfield, either an illegal block or it could have been going against the, the coverage team because referee immediately threw that flag as they were running down. And let's pause five seconds for station identification. 31 degrees at noon. This is 67 WMAQ Radio Chicago. Blessings away the way. Number 57 on the return team. the distance to the goal. Blocking below the waist against Tom Jackson of the Denver Broncos and the special teams. And again, the Broncos will have poor field position beginning this drive at the 10 following the penalty. Now for Denver, they're in the dog pound, as you call it, down there. The noise is deafening. Elway has got to, if he wants to do any motion, he's got to go with hand signals to bring motion. He's got his, he's got his work cut out for him coming out of that end zone. Vance Johnson goes wide to the right. Steve Sewell was put out wide to the left. First down for the Broncos at the Denver 10. Elway will stay on the ground with a handoff. to Sammy Winder running to his left, turns the corner, and he's knocked out at the 12-yard line. Anford Dixon, the Pro Bowl quarterback, making the stop for the Cleveland Browns. He's the young man who dubbed the Browns defense the dog. Boy, that's all it's is in this town. As we walked around the stadium before the game, it's amazing, the dog bones and dog faces, dog ears. And it's amazing where these people have gone to the dog. Five-yard pickup, second down and five from the 15-yard line. Steve Watson is wide to the right. Long setback is Sammy Winder. Mobley, the tight end, is in motion. Play-action fake to Winder. Elway with time. Guns it over the middle, and the pass is caught by Steve Watson, and he is really tagged at the 29-yard line. Chris Rockins, a big hitter, is the man who stuck him, but it's a first down for Denver. And for Steve Watson, he is the culmination of, he's in the twilight of his career, nine years, coming nine years. The thing that's so interesting about him, he was a free agent, came out of Temple University in Philadelphia. Nobody, you know, you never hear a big-time wide receiver coming out of Temple University. Came out there, and he has never missed a game since 1979. First down for the Broncos, moving right to left from the Denver 30. Cleveland leads 7-0. Will Hyde is back in the backfield along with Sammy Winder. Handoff to Winder straight ahead, grinding it out to the 35-yard line where Clay Matthews makes the stop. Defensively for Cleveland, they have Reggie Camp, Bob Golick, and Carl Hairston up front. Four outstanding linebackers, Chip Banks and Clay Matthews, Eddie Johnson and Anthony Griggs at the corners, maybe two of the best in man-to-man coverage in the NFL. Frank Minifield and Hanford Dixon. The strong safety is Ray Ellis, and the free safety is Chris Rockins, who replaced the late Don Rogers. Second down and four for Denver from the Bronco 36. 
Steve Sewell is in motion. Elway on the handoff to Winder, slanting to his right and doesn't get much. Stopped at the line of scrimmage by Chip Banks, the five-year veteran from USC. Now, as I look down the field, one of the things, the first things I noticed was the split of the Denver Bronco. Their two guards are splitting out. Normal split between the linemen is about two feet at guard center, about, about a foot and a half at guard center, then two feet between the guard and the tackle, and of course the end splits out. Denver is splitting Bishop, especially splitting about a yard wide, as is Mark Cooper on the other side. They really are splitting them wide, trying to open those inside lanes. The Broncos send Vance Johnson and Mark Jackson into the game, third down and two. The Browns with six defensive backs in there, away from the shotgun. He goes, retreating inside the 30, looks over the middle. He's got a man open and completes the pass to Vance Johnson. No one near him as he turned to make his cut. He apparently slipped. And now a little scuffle breaks out between Keith Bishop of the Denver Broncos and a couple of the Browns. Johnson might have been able to pick up some additional yardage, but as he turned to run up field, he lost his footing. And we were down on the field before the game, and there are some slippery areas. Well, a lot of it is sand. What they do when they repair dugout areas, they put sand down. Procedure penalty coming up against Denver. I see the flag. It's way over here on the sideline. And the Broncos are upset. Elway, along with Dave Sutter, the left tackle, are protesting. Illegal kick, number 70, five yards, third down. Illegal shift called on Dave Sutter, the left tackle. Now, that's an interesting call because Sutter was not in a three-point stance. He didn't have his, his hand down on the line. He was standing up. He did move, but that movement didn't draw anybody offside, but they called that an illegal shift. Penalty cost the Broncos a first down. Instead of having a first down, it'll be third and seven from the 33. Vance Johnson is wide to the right. Steve Watson put out to the left side. Shotgun for Elway. Back he goes, getting some pressure, hurries the pass over the middle, it's incompleted midfield. Reggie Camp dropped John Elway in the backfield just as he got rid of it. He was trying to hit Gerald Wilhite, but there was no way he could complete that pass. Now they had a twist on up in the middle where the linemen exchanged responsibilities. The two tackles came inside and Camp came around them on a twist and Elway was looking right down the face of Reggie Camp. Boy, he just barely got that ball off before. And when he got hit, he got hit and probably flew back about five yards after the contact. Mike Horan is in the punt. Cleveland leading 7-0 with a minute 44 remaining in the first quarter. Gerald McNeil standing at the round 25, bouncing up and down, trying to stay warm, wearing gloves on both hands. Horan takes the snap, gets it away. Another good kick, a driving spiral taken by McNeil at the 20, running to his right across the 25, 30, 35, and tripped up at the 37. He fumbles the football, and let's see who's got it. Like the Browns have recovered, and they have. Horan doing another magnificent job, a 47-yard kick into the wind. It was a low-driving kick. It's the kind of kick that you want to return. And in Gerald McNeil's and his just his exuberance to get in there, he dove and just about lost the ball. And we've got a timeout with a minute 33 remaining in the first quarter. The Cleveland Browns leading the Denver Broncos, 7 to nothing. Bartender. Hey, coming at you on the right side, serving up cold ones in the heart of the nitty-gritty city. Ex-DJ, huh? Yeah, it's all the rock and roller. Uh, light beer, please. Hey, you pick it, I'll pour it. All light beers are the same. Oh, contrary, amigo. Bud Light's the light beer with the first name and taste. Okay, Bud Light then. And now, by request, Bud Light. Ask for Bud Light, because everything else is just a light. Bartender, another Bud Light. Hey, I'm out of here, but take it away, soap in the sun. Hey, Friday night, day night, be in the brew cruise driven Bud Light. And I have Bush, St. Louis, Missouri. 
Proctor with Dave Rowe back in Cleveland with the Browns lead 7 to nothing, and this is the NFL on NBC. One liftoff. You are now entering space, office space crafted by DNL. First stop, the reception area designed by DNL to welcome your clients and customers. Make them comfortable. Next stop, the general office area crafted by DNL with open office systems and landscape ideas that are out of this world. Then past the corporate offices designed by DNL for leadership and hard work. On to the conference room created to stimulate meetings of the mind. To the computer room. For those who command the technology, you have entered space, office space crafted by DNL. Ideas in space crafted by DNL. DNL Office Furniture Company, station downtown Chicago, Schaumburg, and Chicago North. Call 527-3636. Mel Proctor with Dave Rowe back at Cleveland Stadium where the Browns lead the Broncos 7-0 in this AFC Championship game with a minute 33 remaining in the first quarter. And the Browns moving left to right as they begin this drive from the 36-yard line. Bernie Kozar, who's from the state of Ohio, he's from Boardman, Ohio, and was the 1981 High School Player of the Year here. On the handoff to Kevin Mack running to his right, and he's stacked up at the 39-yard line by 14-year veteran Tom Jackson of the Denver Broncos. Mel, that was that is the set play that I would use if I was Bernie if I was Bernie Kosar or the Cleveland Browns. Give that ball to Kevin Mack, see if they can pick up as long as they can pick up three or four yards on that first down, keep the ball on the ground, control it on the ground, and use that pass when it's opportunistic to pick up that wide receiver. But control this game via the ground. Slaughter and Brennan split wide to the left. Herman Fondo is in the backfield now, along with Kevin Mack. Second down and seven from the 40. Kozar with play action. Back to throw. Getting pressure, and he throws it. It's picked off by Ricky Hundley of Denver. The big linebacker breaks the tackle, rumbles across the 40, and is brought down at the 35-yard line of Cleveland. And Rulon Jones was right in Bernie Kozar's face. There's a good example of exactly what I'm saying. You've got second down. You've just picked up four yards on the run. What did you do? Drop back and go to the pass. It's kind of crazy. You know, the weather is a factor here. You don't force things. And that time he forced the ball, he threw it into coverage. It looked as if it was intended right for Ricky Hundley. He was right in the right position. And this is what Denver has done so effectively all season. They have turned the ball over. They have gotten those turnovers. And they've got 30% of their points are scored by turnovers. Kozar was intercepted only 10 times during the regular season. He threw two interceptions on consecutive passes last week against the Jets. Gerald Wilhite is nailed in the Denver backfield by Chip Banks, who got to him before he could get out of the starting blocks and dropped him for a four-yard loss. Great play. Well, now, differently, uh, for Denver, they know they can't run the ball and run it consistently against the Cleveland defense. Cleveland's got too much strength in the front seven players, so they're going to have to pass the ball. Plus, they've got a quarterback to sit back there, and he can pick you to death if he has the time. So I would look for them to go for the, the pass in this situation. The pass rushing special with Sam Clancy, a 260-pounder from Pitt, is in the game now for Cleveland. Second and 14, back goes Elway, getting some pressure, and he swings it out of the backfield to Sammy Winder, and he stops the 47-yard line. They got the 43-yard line by Chip Banks, who's had a great first quarter, and that'll bring the first period to an end here in Cleveland. The end of the first quarter in this AFC Championship game. It's the Cleveland Browns 7 and the Denver Broncos nothing. This is Maury Levy, editor of Video Review Magazine, and we're here with Don Kobus of Samsung Electronics. Where are things headed in general now? We keep hearing so much about the yen versus the dollar, and how does that affect the yuan and, and the way Samsung will be selling? Well, the uh, 
the target of the of the yen dollar situation was in fact the yen, and as a result, the, the price of Japanese goods will continue to rise. Uh, in the case of the yuan, we're not as much affected by the program. In many cases, our prices didn't go up much at all, or in fact, uh, remained the same. So, depending on a on a product by product basis, uh, you're likely to find the Korean products to be still a great value. We're finding that more and more retailers are selecting Samsung to be a part of the product lines that they offer their customers. The nice part about it is you can too. For your nearest Samsung dealer, dial 1-800-255-2550. Look for Samsung. Affordable electronics. You want service, and State Farm is there. This is the number we call for service on our car insurance. No, that's for homeowners. You know, you ought to have a State Farm agent. State Farm? Yeah, then we know who to call for everything. Auto, home, life, or health. People know State Farm agents will be there when they need help. That's what makes State Farm insurance such a value. Service. And like a good neighbor. That you can't put a price on. State Farm is there. Mel Proctor with Dave Rowe back at Cleveland Stadium where the Browns lead the Denver Broncos 7-0 as we begin the second quarter. The Browns enter this game on a roll. They've won six in a row, nine of the last ten, and 12 of the last 14. The Broncos, on the other hand, have gone two and two over the last four games. And over the last nine games, it's been a familiar pattern. Win one, lose one, win one, lose one. And they have not won consecutive games since the eighth and ninth weeks of the regular season. And if that holds true, of course, today they would be they would be up for a losing uh, choice today. Bronco coach Dan Reeves said he felt it was important to score first here to silence this big crowd. But the Browns got on the board first. Third and 16 for the Denver Broncos at the Cleveland 42-yard line. John Elway from the shotgun with four wide receivers being chased, running to his right, stops, being chased again, breaks the tackle, now firing across the grain on the run. It's fluttering in the wind, and the pass is caught at the 35-yard line by Vance Johnson, who had to run about 15 yards coming back to the ball to catch it. That was an amazing play by Vance Johnson and by John Elway. He's, picture this, fans. He's rolling to his right. Coming, he's almost out of bounds. He avoids two tackles. At the last second, he sees Vance Johnson all the way across the field. He throws about 50 yards. Now, we're having a few words on the field right now. Gerald Wilhite is getting into it with Hanford Dixon of Cleveland. But he threw that ball, probably just quickly flipped it about 50 yards across, probably about 40 yards across the field. You said Vance Johnson had to come back 15 yards to catch it. Elway ran 30, Johnson ran 15, and the total yardage gained is seven yards. So it'll be fourth down. Fourth and ten from the 36. Again, the shotgun. Now, Elway punted out of this position last, last week. He's going to do it again. Quick kick by Elway. The ball lands at the 15, takes a Cleveland bounce, heading toward the sidelines, and it's out of bounds at the 16-yard line. That's what he did last week. He sets up in a shotgun formation. Just before the snap, he takes about three steps back, takes the ball and just punches it over the head. This week it works. They're inside the 20. And we've got a timeout with Cleveland leading Denver 7-0 in 13.55, remaining in the second quarter. Next. The doctor will see you now, Miss Gray, in his car. Delco Electronics, case history number 85. That's a GM car with the Delco Bose music system. Ah, Miss Gray, yes. you just want to slip into this examination gown, make yes. yourself comfortable in the passenger seat, and yes. tell me what's bothering Where's you. Where's your doctor's certificate? Please fasten your seatbelt. Where are we going? With Bose to design the ultimate automotive music system for select GM cars. We have more patients, Doc. Well, I know we have more patients, oh, but yes. I like to take care like Delco Bose does. Now, open your ears and say ah. What? So ah. 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 A warning. When you hear a Delco music system, you'll love it too much to leave it. Uh, Must be something wrong with you. It's baking, Doctor. Just a few more hours, and just I think I'll just be fine. Well, I'll tell you what. Why don't I put you in the trunk? Delco Bose sounds so real, it will change how you feel about driving. 
Sports question. What TV commentator and ex-Ram played in 11 Pro Bowl games? Do-it-yourself question. Who can help you do any decorating job better? For questions about decorating, Sherwin-Williams has the answers. And for paint, wall coverings, floor coverings, window treatments, Sherwin-Williams has the quality. So for questions about Merlin Olson, check a sports almanac. But for decorating... The Cleveland Browns lead the Denver Broncos 7-0. Cleveland scoring on a five-yard pass from Bernie Kosar to Herman Fontenot at the 7-18 mark of the first quarter. Cleveland now will start this drive from the 17-yard line. Difficult to get a reading on the wind. It swirls, it changes directions, but blowing hard no matter which way it's blowing. Making it very difficult for both quarterbacks. Kozar awaiting the snap from center. Turns and hands to Kevin Mack, running to his left, and he is wrestled down near the 18-yard line by Ken Woodard. And I'm sure that when Bernie Kozar and his young, inexperienced uh, position went to the sideline, Marty Schottenheimer said, Hey, listen, we're moving the ball on the ground. Be able to just keep it on the ground. As long as we pick up three, four, five yards on first down, it brings up second and four, run it again. Kevin Mack has carried 10 times for 37 yards. It's second and seven for the Browns. At the 19-yard line, Brennan is wide to the right. Back goes Kozar. Good protection. Looks to the right. Throws the pass. is caught by Brennan, who dances out of bounds at the 27-yard line. Brian Brennan compared... To Steve Larson of Seattle, neither has great speed. Both run precise pass routes, have good hands, possession receiver, and he gives the Browns a first down. Well, he has very soft hands. He looks the ball in very, very well when he catches the ball, and that's a trademark that Largen has done for so many years. He looks the ball all the way into his hands. Never does he make that mistake trying to run before he catches the ball. Ozzie Newsom puts out wide to the right, along with Reggie Langhorn, Webster Slaughter, to the near side along with Herman Fontenot. Kozar with a straight drop, again with time. Pumps, looks over the middle, lost the pass. It's picked off by Jim Ryan of Denver. Down the far sideline to the 30, 25, 20, 15, 10. Knocked out of bounds at the 8-yard line. Cody Ryzen knocked him out of bounds, or he would have scored for the Denver Broncos. And this stuns this crowd of 80,000 here. Kozar's just making a couple mistakes. That time he's under a lot of pressure. The Broncos know that he's not a real mobile quarterback, so they're trying to get pressure up the gut in his face. Kozar brought the ball down, looked like he was going to run. Last second, he just flipped it out there, and Ryan was standing right in front of his receiver, took the ball, put it under his arm, and ran down the sideline. Ryan did not have an interception during the regular season. He's an eight-year veteran from William & Mary who began his Denver career on the special team. First and goal to go for the Broncos, following an interception by Jim Ryan. Cleveland leads 7-0. Elway stays on the ground with a handoff to Sammy Winder, slipping and sliding down to the seven-yard line. A gain of two as Chip Banks makes the stop for the Cleveland Browns. Mel, anytime you have a mobile quarterback like a John Elway who has the rushing yardage that he has, you always have to be very aware that he can run the bootleg. That time, if he pulls that ball back out of the running back's belly and takes it around the side, he walks into the end zone. They have coaches high atop this stadium that see those type of things, and they're picking out those plays for him continually. Second and goal to go from the seventh. Steve Watson puts out to the right along with Mark Jackson. Will Hyde and Winder in the I formation. Elway with a fake to Winder. Rolling to his right. Fires on the run. The pass is caught by Sammy Winder. Driven out of bounds at about the two-yard line. Knocked out by Hanford Dixon. Getting back to Kozar's interceptions. He's already been intercepted twice. 
He had the uh, best interception ratio in the NFL this year. He was intercepted only 10 times in over 500 pass attempts. So it's rare that he throws two, and he threw two last week, and they still beat the Jets. Well, he made two critical mistakes in that, in the, in that first half. Well, so far in the first half, he made two poor choices. He tried to force the ball into great coverage. And Denver is known as an opportunistic defense. They react very quickly to the ball. I talked earlier about their, they don't have that great size. They just have that great ability to re react quickly to the ball. And it looks like the Broncos will call a timeout with 12-17. Remaining in the second quarter here in Cleveland, the Browns lead the Broncos 7-0. In Japan, you don't work to live. You live to work. Which may be why the average Japanese worker puts in almost 200 more hours a year than the average American. Now, you could read about Japanese productivity in almost any magazine or newspaper. But to really understand the issue, you need a publication that gives you the story behind the story. The Wall Street Journal. You see, the journal relates the business world to the real world. For example, if you'd read on, you would have learned that high Japanese productivity is causing trade conflicts with the West, and that the Japanese government has actually formed an agency, the Leisure Development Center, to find ways to get Japanese workers to take more time off. Will it work? Read the Wall Street Journal to find out. However, things do look bleak. It seems Leisure Development staffers are working weekends to get their work done. To subscribe, call 800-345-8700. The Wall Street Journal, the daily diary of the American dream. Would you like to rent a luxury car? But the price. Maybe a Lincoln Town car. But the price. Budget Rent-A-Car is going your way with Lincoln's at just $39.99 a day. Ooh, that's the price? Uh-huh. $39.99 at all participating budget locations for a luxurious Lincoln. Nice price. 48-hour advance reservation required. Other charges and restrictions may apply. Call Budget at 800-527-0700 for details. Denver Broncos on the move, facing a third and goal to go situation at the two yard line. Cleveland leading 7 0. Looks like the Broncos will be running against the four or five man front. And Cleveland is down there in the end zone, and they're getting the dog house, they're getting the dog yard, whatever you want to call them, the dog area. You can they're, see the, they have the dog bones lying in the end zone. Yeah, they're throwing them out of the end zone. They're so close to the field. Four-man front for the Cleveland Browns. Elway from the shotgun. Third and goal. The inside handoff to Steve Sewell. Running to his left. Trying to turn the corner. Down the far sideline. And knocked out of bounds. Short of the touchdown. Knocked out by Ray Ellis at the one-yard line. Sewell, who has four or five speeds, turned the corner and was driven out of bounds. And a hard hit by Ellis. And Denver will have to settle for a field goal attempt by Rich Carlin. And what Sewell did that time is he outran his blockers. He tried to get out wide. His blockers were blocking inside. He just ran right on by his blockers. He's got that great acceleration. He thought he could get to the corner, and he came up short. I think if he had gotten behind that wall of blockers, the two guards, I think he would have gone in for a touchdown. This will be a 19-yard field goal attempt by Rich Carlos. With Gary Kubiak holding for him, the ball is spotted down, and Carlos' kick is good. But Denver, I'm sure, unhappy at having to settle for a field goal, although Carlos leaves the field clapping his hands, will settle for three points. And with 12.07 remaining in the second quarter, it's now Cleveland 7 and Denver 3. Let's see, 15 blouses, 40 shirts, 25 towels. I'll do two rows now, two in two hours, two to Washer and dryer overloaded? Get a Kenmore large capacity washer for just $299.99. Dryer $249.99. At Sears National Home Appliance Spectacular now. Both have permanent press cycles. Both are Kenmore, America's best sellers. 
Buy both and save $70. Don't miss Sears National Home Appliance Spectacular. There's more for your life at Sears. There are dog bones all over the field. In fact, they're enough to feed my Airedale for a year. This is the NFL on NBC. at your local Chrysler Plymouth dealer. The deals he's making right now will leave no doubt in your mind about where to go for a new car. From the economical America to the luxurious New Yorker. From the hot new Sundance to the top-performing GTS. Your Chrysler Plymouth dealer has a great lineup of high-technology front-wheel drive cars. And its exclusive five-year or 50,000-mile protection plan is something you can really believe in. So, for great deals on great new cars, See your local Chrysler Plymouth dealer today. He's ready to make you a believer. Now I'm a believer. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm a believer. The Cleveland Browns lead the Denver Broncos 7-3. Denver picked off a pass. Jim Ryan... Intercepting Bernie Kozar, Denver drove down the one-yard line with the Browns held, and the Broncos had to settle for a field goal by Rich Carlos, and it's now 7-3 Cleveland. Getting back to those dog bones, let's see a run on dog bones at the stores here in Cleveland. It's unbelievable how many there are lying in the end zone. Well, they, they started this dog thing. They, they said, we're going to be after you like a pack of dogs, and their defense has played that way, and boy, this town has reacted to that. Unbelievable. Here's Carlos' kickoff. He hooks it, heading toward the far sideline. Gerald McNeil takes it to eight, straight ahead of the 10, cuts back at the 15, 20, 25, 30, out to the 35-yard line, still driving, and finally gang-tackled and dropped at the 37. Rick Dennison was the first Bronco to get to him, but a fine run back by Gerald McNeil, who had a 100-yard kickoff return for a touchdown against Pittsburgh this year. Now, doesn't he know you're not allowed to run that fast up in there? I'll tell you, he must have a tremendous amount of courage because he's running the ball up in there, He's just flying up. He's not looking for He's looking for that seam. And once he sees that seam, he just explodes up in there. He has no fear whatsoever of being hurt or anything. Just get upfield as far as you can get. Browns ball, first down at the 37-yard line following that fine run back by McNeil. Backs in the I formation, Biner and Kevin Mack. Bernie Kozer on the handoff to Mack. Bounces to the outside, running to his left. Fumbles the football, and the Broncos indicate they've got it. In fact, it is picked up by Ken Woodard, heading toward the end zone. To the 15, to the 10, to the 5, and he's into the end zone. The play, though, may have been blown dead. See if they bring it back. Oh, boy, Rulon Jones ran in there and actually grabbed the referee and pulled him back and said, wait a minute, but here's the Chuck Everling. The ball was fumbled, was recovered by Denver. He's down by contact. Denver's ball, first and 10. It is Denver's ball, but no touchdown. It was recovered by one of the Broncos, who was then hit by one of the Browns, and then after that took place, Woodard picked up the ball and ran it in for what he thought was a touchdown, but they'll bring it back, and Denver will have the ball at the Cleveland 36. Well, they, they had the instant replay to review it, and they may review it, but uh, I didn't see any contact on the play. The ball kind of squirted out two or three times, and I, I did not see the contact on the play. Of course, they have the instant replay here in this championship game, as they do in all the NFL games. And they may go ahead and review it, but the ball came out as soon as he got hit. As soon as he took the handoff, it's so important where placement is. The ball was bobbled; it never got to his stomach where you take the ball. They picked it up, and I did just didn't see any contact at all. Well, Woodard picked it up, rolled over, and got to his feet. He kind of collided with one of the Browns as he was in the process of picking the ball up, but uh, the Browns player never really tackled him. 
You know, Mel, that instant replay that I think we're having a ruling now. Might have After replay, look. The ball was stumbled, recovered by Denver, down by contact. First ball, first down, Denver. So the play stands. Well, I was going to make just a quick mention. There were, there were 374 instant replay viewings this year in the NFL. There were only 38 decisions to reverse the uh, referee's call. First down for the Broncos at the Cleveland 37-yard line. Steve Sewell was in the backfield along with Gerald Wilhite. Elway on a fake reverse, now straightens up to throw, wants to go deep, can't find a man open, running across the 40, 35, 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, and out of bounds at about the three-yard line. They faked the reverse, Elway wanted to throw deep, couldn't find anyone, and nearly scrambled for a touchdown. He's out of bounds at the three. That's what he does so well. Quite a lot of questions this week after he severely sprained his ankle. And what does he do? He runs such a long distance, but I think Gerald Wilhoy might have gotten hurt on the play. He hurt his shoulder last week, had a slight separation. He's in obvious pain on the far sideline. So Elway, who ran for a touchdown last week against New England, runs it down to the three-yard line, will be first and goal to go, and Wilhite is quite obviously in a lot of pain as he leaves the field. The Broncos now have Keen Lang in the backfield, replacing Wilhite. They shift into the I formation, first and goal to go from the three, double tight end. Handoff, straight ahead is Lang, who's hit and stopped short of the end zone. Gene Lang, who had a big game last week against the Patriots after Wilhite got hurt. He carried 11 times for 44 yards against New England. Well, I was surprised to see Wilhite start after, after suffering a shoulder separation last week, but he came back and started this game, obviously in a lot of pain, and he is on the sideline. I don't think we'll see him again unless, it's, unless something happens to Gene Lang. Second down, goal to go at the one-yard line. Steve Sewell lines up as a wingback on the right side. Elway on the handoff to Winder over the top, and he can't get into the end zone, stacked up by the middle of that Cleveland defensive line, and they are howling in the dog pound again. Well, they tried to go right over top of the middle. The linebackers, what you do in that, in that defense, you try to get your linemen, try to get penetration, make a pile. Then the back tries to jump over top of the pile, and those linebackers are sitting back there, Chip Banks and Matthews, Griggs and Johnson, they're sitting back there waiting to see where the guy tries to jump, and then they just smash into him. I would look probably Denver's going to try to go wide on this play because they have been unsuccessful up the middle. On their last drive, they had to settle for a field goal, a third and goal to go from the one-yard line. Sewell is a wing back on the left side. He comes in motion. Elway with a play-action fake, looking into the end zone in trouble. He throws as he's hit, and it's incomplete. He tried to hit Steve Sewell in the end zone, but Clay Matthews was great all over Elway as he threw the pass. And it'll bring up a fourth down situation, and let's see what Dan Reeves will do here. Well, he almost has to go for a touchdown in this situation. Three points is not going to help you. You'll still be down. If he doesn't make the touchdown, he at least has Cleveland backed up to their own one-yard line. I think he's going to go for it. Oh, boy, and here comes Wilhite. Can you imagine that? That tells you the importance of a game. Gerald Wilhite is back in the game. He was the Broncos' leading receiver this year with 64 catches. Fourth down, goal to goal from the one. It's a big crowd of over 80,000. Reacts to John Elway. Sewell is in motion. Elway takes the snap on the pitch to Wilhite. Running right, dives and is into the end zone for a touchdown. What a play by Wilhite. What a play by Wilhite. He saw that end zone as just as he planted that right foot, he started to leap. 
He was hit in midair by Chris Rockins. He just kind of twisted his way, and when he came down, he had the ball stretched out, and he came down in the end zone for a touchdown for the Denver Broncos. Will Hyde, who scored eight touchdowns during the regular season, takes it in from one yard out, and Denver has the lead 9-7 to seven, as Rich Carlos is back in the kick with Gary Kubiak holding. Keith Bishop will center it. The Broncos regard him as the best kick snapper in the NFL. Kubiak spots it down, and Carlos' kick is good. So at 10.36 remaining in the second quarter, the Broncos have taken the lead 10-7. to 7. Well, one of the things Dan Reeves said is we've got to get this crowd out of the game. We've got to score early. They've scored on two turnovers, two big turnovers by Bernie Kozar. One, of course, one was the bubble, which wasn't actually his fault, but yet he did not get the ball into the Viner's uh, belly in the proper position. But two big turnovers result in 10 points, and they have stunned this crowd. The crowd is now quiet. Coming up at halftime, Stan Martin will be along to update you on all sports. Stan will be talking to Don Cricky and Bob Trumpy, who are standing by at Giants Stadium for the Redskins-Giants game for the NFC Championship. This is part of today's doubleheader here on NBC Radio, and Stan will also be chatting with Redskins free safety Curtis Jordan, all coming up at halftime right here on the NFL on NBC. The Broncos drove 37 yards on five plays. Will Height going over from one yard out, and it's now Denver 10 and Cleveland 7. McNeil, Fontenot, drop back deep for the Cleveland Browns along with Reggie Langhorn. The Browns regard their special teams as the best in the NFL. The special teams coach is Bill Cowher, and they really take great pride in their special teams. With McNeil, a great run back man on both punts and kickoff, they do an outstanding job on coverage. They're third in the NFL, and punt coverage. Well, they do have very, very effective field of special teams. Special teams, of course, is a very vital part of this game. Here's a kickoff by Rich Carlos, a low line drive kick. McNeil will take it on the fly at the 6, across the 10 to the 15, 20, 25, out to the 30, to the 32-yard line. Another good run back by the Ice Cube, Gerald McNeil. Joey Hackett made the stop for the Denver Broncos, but McNeil is giving Cleveland excellent field position. Well, the one thing you want to do now if you're Bernie Kosar is you don't want to panic. You've had a lot of things go wrong. He's thrown two interceptions. They fumbled the ball once, but they're not in a bad position. They are still playing good, solid football on defense. They have to get their offense cranked up, and he has to make everyone in that huddle believe that he's the leader of this team. First down for Cleveland at the 31-yard line. Fontenot and Langhorn go wide to the right. Webster Slaughter is wide to the left. Kozar will throw on first down. He swings it out of the backfield to Kevin Mack, who gets the block at the 30, across the 35 and the 40, and he's got a first down out to the 42-yard line. Mike Harden, the right quarterback, made the stop. He was named the Broncos' most valuable defensive player, and one of the Broncos is very slow to get up. That's Jim Ryan, who intercepted a pass earlier in this half. Well, the one thing that the Broncos do believe is the magic of Bernie Kosar. And that's a good, safe play. It's a heady play. Of course, these plays are called by the coaching staff. What they want to do is get that confidence back with him, allow him to complete two or three passes, get some success. It's a swing pass out of the backfield. It's a safe pass. If it's incomplete, it's going to fall incomplete. There's not a big chance or a risk of it being intercepted. So if the ball falls, he doesn't lose anything. If Mac catches it like he did, he picks up 10 yards in the first down. Safe, safe play. Bernie Kosar, who led the University of Miami to a national championship in 1983. He's 12 days younger than this year's Heisman Trophy winner, Vinny Testaverde. And we'll take a break with the Denver Broncos leading the Cleveland Browns 10 to 7.
The injured Denver linebacker Jim Ryan is coming off the field. This is the NFL on NBC. The business shuffle with Chicago Bear Willie Gold. Hey, business fans, stop shuffling around. I got a tip for you in this world-class town. You want world-class performance and world-class speed? Then Canon Equipment what your business needs. Get this equipment at Ambassador, a showroom that has what you're looking for, like world-class copiers that's Canon fast, and PC copies you know will last. Of course, there's a Canon fax machine. It'll keep your office running lean and mean. But that's not all. There's a whole lot more, like the service you get from Ambassador. So shuffle on down. Check the Canon line at Ambassador. You'll be in time. Get a color poster of Willie Golf. If you miss this offer, it's not my fault. In the Hancock Building and out in the birds in Elk Grove Village where the word is heard. World class speed, performance, and more. Catch Canon equipment at Ambassador. Call 228-5700. Then you'll see your office will run wonderfully. That's 228-5700. First and ten for the Cleveland Browns at the 43 as Bernie Kosar lost the pass and on the right flat complete to Ernest Beiner and he stopped in his tracks to the 46-yard line. Gain of three on the play as Dennis Smith made the tackle. Darren Como, a five-year veteran from Arizona State, has replaced the injured Jim Ryan at linebacker for the Denver Broncos. Como was the most valuable player on the special teams this year for the Broncos. It'll be second and six at the 47 of Cleveland. Denver leading 10-7 with 9.39 remaining in the first half. Webster Slaughter, a rookie from San Diego State, puts out wide to the left. They split Biner and Reggie Langhorn wide to the right. Kevin Mack is a lone setback. Bernie Kozar backpedals, looks left, fires to Mack at the 40, gets a block across the 45-50, and deep into Denver territory at the 45-yard line. Rulon Jones made the tackle. No, what a great block by Paul Byron to come out there. It's a swing pass out of there. It's like a split screen, they call it where the back kind of slips out of the backfield, then your linemen, they hit, they hold for about two seconds, and they flow out to the, out to the field. And Paul Farrick just knocks the cornerback just as he's about to make the corner to tackle. He hits, excuse me, it was Darren Como, he hits and springs back free. Farron had been starting a left tackle. He's moved to left guard with Ricky Bolden returning to action. Bolden had been out of action for nine games with a broken arm. Kozar on the handoff to Mack, running right. Two Broncos nail him at the 45-yard line. Ricky Hundley was the first man to get to him. He led the Broncos in tackles this year with 164. Also got help from Darren Como. And it'll be second and ten. No gain on the play. Now you, now you have to look for to, to second down and ten now. They didn't make anything, so you're going to have to look for Bernie Kosar to probably go to the air again. He has not been very successful. Second down and ten from the 45-yard line. Fondo is wide to the left. And split out to the right side is Brennan. Long count by Kozar. Play action fake. Back to throw. Going long downfield. And it's incomplete at the 20-yard line. Antenna for Webster Slaughter. But Randy Robbins broke up the pass. As a defensive team, you play strategy. You play statistics. Your strategy is dictated on the, the statistics of your opponent. They know that Bernie Kosar, when he gets in that second down at 10 yards, there's very little chance that he's going to run the ball. So they were putting a hard pass rush, just throwing all caution to the wind on the run and guarding in the secondary, and they guessed right, the Denver Broncos, that is. And the term throwing caution to the wind certainly fits today. The wind is a factor. That's for sure. Sure. Kosar has completed 6 of 14 passes for 85 yards and a touchdown, but he's been intercepted twice. He's back to throw on third and 10. Guns it over the middle, and the pass is caught. Nope, incomplete. 
Tried to hit Webster Slaughter, got his hands on it, but couldn't hold it. And he gets up limping. He took a good stick from Dennis Smith. One of the things that Denver does so well is react in the secondary. Their two safeties, Foley and Smith, are standing back there, and they're looking at Kosar's eyes. They're reacting to that ball quickly, and they'd like to take the head off of Mr. Webster Slaughter when he came on that crossing pattern. That's a tough pass to catch. Jeff Gossett, who had 21 punts inside the 20-yard line, is back to kick for Cleveland. Gerald Wilhite is standing at the Denver 10. Gossett kicks it straight up. It hangs up in the wind. Wilhite will take it, and a fair catch at the 11-yard line. So again, poor field position for the Denver Broncos. That time they used the win. Yes, they did. He punted the ball very, very high. The coverage was down there. As soon as they saw the, uh, the fair catch signal, they went beyond him to stop it in case he let the ball bounce. He caught it on a 10-yard line. So Mr. Gossett, instead of having 21 now, has 22 inside the 20-yard line. That's a real test of a kicker to get that ball down inside the 20-yard line with no return. Denver moving left to right from the Broncos 10. They lead 10 to 7. Steve Watson is wide to the right. Mark Jackson is wide to the left. Winder is a lone setback. Orson Mobley, the tight end, is in motion. The handoff to Sammy Winder. Running off left tackle, and he's out to the 13-yard line, where Bob Golick, the veteran nose tackle from Notre Dame, brings him down. Golick is a native of Ohio. He's from Euclid, Ohio. Speaking of Ohio, Bronco linebacker Tom Jackson is from... Cleveland. He played at John Adams High School here and he said he used to come out and watch the Browns play. His daddy would bring him out to the stadium when he was 10 years old. Second down at 7 from the 13-yard line. Watson is wide right. Jackson, the rookie from Purdue, is wide to the left. Mobley on a wing right goes in motion. Elway on a delay hands the winder running to his left and he's hit up to 19 and fights his way out to the 21-yard line. Ray Ellis is the man who made the tackle for the Cleveland Browns. If they were able to stop him without getting a first down, I think he's going to be awfully close to the first down. But if they're able to stop him without getting a first down, then they'll get the ball in probably their best field position. But it's going to be third down and very, very short. You almost have to expect a running play. But, of course, with the arm of John Elway and his unpredictable, he is very unpredictable back there, you almost can never guess what he's going to do. But the sure thing to do, third down and one, is to run the ball. The Browns will go with a five-man front, five down linemen, third down one, full house backfield for Denver. Sewell is in motion out of the backfield, Elway on the handoff to Winder, and he's got the first down. Driving out to the 22-yard line where Chip Banks makes the stop. Hey, I, lo I love to watch Elway when he does his play selection. He has the ability to audibleize on the, on the line of scrimmage, and so many times he takes that chance. He's got just so much confidence. Both these quarterbacks have great confidence, but Elway's got that little bit more experience. He's a little bit more secure in his position, and he'll challenge the defense. Bernie Kosar, he's learning to do that also. Steve Watson and Mark Jackson split wide to the left. Two tight ends in the game now for the Broncos. First down to 23-yard line. Elway on the pitch to Sandy Winder, running to his left, trying to turn the corner. Gives the man a stiff arm, and he's out of bounds near the 25. Clay Matthews and Chris Rockins chasing him out of bounds. Matthews had a shot at him. Just as he turned the corner, but he gave him a good stiff arm, managed to pick up a yard or so. Well, he ran the ball a long way. He must have run the ball 35 yards. Unfortunately for the Broncos, he was running left to right, so he was running just wide across the field, never got to the corner. I don't think he made much over a yard. Not about a yard, if that. Like he, uh, I don't think he picked up anything. It's going to be second down and 10. 25 remaining in the second quarter. Denver leads 10-7 this AFC Championship game. Mark 
Jackson is wide left. Steve Watson is wide to the right. Mobley is on a wing left. The big tight end comes in motion. Elway's back to throw. He has time. Fires, Fires to, Mo to Mobley at the 20. Tripped up at the 26-yard line. Good hard tackle by Ray Ellis coming up to meet him. What a tackle by Ray Ellis. He had to come up. He's taken Mobley comes in motion. And as he's coming across, they snatch the ball. He kind of just filters out into the flat area. Elway looks him off. He's looking downfield, downfield. The last second, he finds Mobley. Then it's a one-on-one -on -one tackle. Ellis comes up, makes that great stick. I don't know how Philadelphia ever gave up on him and let him come to, to Cleveland for literally nothing they gave for him. One of five former Eagles in a Cleveland uniform. John Elway has completed six of eight passes for 43 yards from the shotgun on third and five. Back he goes. Looks over the middle. Nothing there. Retreats. Eludes Reggie Camp. Steps up. Guns the pass downfield. And it's dropped at the 45-yard line. Right through the hands of Mark Jackson. Frank Minfield was, Manifield was coming up from behind him. I'm not sure he could hear him coming. <laughs> That's probably why he dropped it. Yes, and it was a high pass. When you're a wide receiver and you run that 16, 17-yard curl pattern, the one thing you don't want to do is have that ball thrown high. Because if it's thrown high, you know that defensive back is going to come up and smash you, and you're stretched out there. You're much more vulnerable to the hit. You want it low, right into the belly where you don't have to jump up. Mike Horan is in the kick for the Denver Broncos. Gerald McNeil will return to punt 84 yards for a touchdown against Detroit. Is standing back at the Cleveland 29. Four and a half remaining in the second quarter. Denver with a 10 to 7 lead. Horan fields the snap, gets the kick away. A wobbly spiral headed toward the far sideline taken by McNeil at the 40. Running to his right to the 45 and dragged down near midfield at the 48-yard line of Denver. And again, excellent field position for the Cleveland Browns. I saw a referee take a flag out of his hand and wave it in one of the Denver Broncos' faces. Maybe that's a warning. <laughs> I don't know. He didn't throw the flag. He just kind of waved it in his face, and then he just kind of kept it in his hand. Now they're talking about it. <laughs> well, what do you have to say, Chuck? What happened down there? Here's Chuck Everling. Invalid fair catch signal by the receiver. Five yards from the spot. First down. Invalid fair catch signal by Gerald McNeil. Well, I saw that, and I wondered whether that was a fair catch. It's the first thing I saw. He kind of put his hand up and quickly brought it down. Now, the fair catch signal, you have to put your hand up, and you have to wave left to right several times to indicate it. He just kind of put his hand up. It looked as if he was going to signal and then decided not to. The referee saw that and called a five-yard penalty. So instead of having the ball at the Bronco 48, Cleveland will begin this drive from their own 35. It'll be first and 10 for the Browns. Denver leads 10 to 7. Webster Slaughter is wide to the left. Reggie Langhorn is wide to the right. Bernie Kozar will throw on first down. He fires underneath to Herman Fontenot, and he makes the catch at the 27-yard line, gets back up. And now they call this an incompletion. Well, he made the catch, but there's a penalty marker down. That penalty flag was thrown way far away from the play. It was thrown way downfield. It looked as if it was thrown against Mike Harden, who was at the Broncos. And I couldn't see exactly who was down there with him, but it was thrown probably 20 yards from where the pass was thrown. There is no foul on the play. The ball was tipped by the defense. Second down. No foul on the play because the ball was tipped by the defense. Yes, once the ball is tipped by a defensive player, you can't have pass interference. That's what the play was called. Interesting call. We've had a lot of interesting calls today so far in this game. Pass was incomplete, so it'll be second down and 10. Brian Brennan is in the game now. He's puts out wide to the right. Fontenot and Webster Slaughter wide to the left. Kevin Mack is the lone setback. 
Bernie Kozar takes the snap, hands to Mack, lowers his head, drives straight ahead, and he runs into Jim Ryan, who's back in the game for the Broncos, and he brings him down to the 38-yard line. Ryan, along with Dennis Smith on the stop, it's beginning to snow once again. It's almost <laughs> like there's someone upstairs with a switch that decides, okay, it's time for some more snow. Then they shut it off for a while. Well, if you're in Cleveland, the guy doesn't live in Cleveland if he's controlling the snow, because when Cleveland's on offense, you don't want the snow. Chuck Heverling is making an announcement, but we can't hear it. Apparently having some problems with his microphone. Well, I think they may be having some problems with the clock. So it's third and seven for Cleveland from the Brown 38-yard line, 339 left in the first half. Kozar drops back inside the 30. He's firing long downfield for Clarence Weathers. He's got him to 30, 25, and down to the 20-yard line. He's a big play man for the Cleveland Browns. Last year, he averaged 28 yards a catch, tops in the NFL. He doesn't catch many, but when he does, they're normally for big games, and that's a 42-yard pickup. Well, I wish our fans could have seen the hesitancy that he had, that Kozar had on that play. He saw Weathers come off the line of scrimmage. The last second, he brought the ball back down. He decided he was going to throw it, then he brought it back down. Then all of a sudden, he saw Weathers break free, and the ball was thrown with just a beautiful touch. The ball was laid right into Weathers' outstretched hand. He got behind Dennis Smith on the play. First down for Cleveland at the Denver 20. Barno and Mack are split in the backfield behind Bernie Kozar. Kozar will throw again, swings it out of the backfield on the left side to Fontenot with a blocker ahead of him across the 20, heading for the near sidelines, and he's driven out of bounds at the 16-yard line. Mike Harden knocked him out of bounds. Herman Fontenot, a two-year veteran from LSU, who was signed as a free agent on the recommendation of LSU coach Bill Armstronger and Kurt Schottenheimer, who's Cleveland coach Marty Schottenheimer's younger brother. At that time, he was an assistant in LSU. He's now at Notre Dame. Well, I tell you, I am impressed with Bernie Kozar. He's been rattled, he's done two interceptions, and he takes a chance on that pass. He's got ice water in his veins today. He's throwing with a lot of confidence. He's a gutsy, big play quarterback. Second down and five from the 15-yard line. Kozar with a short drop, looks right, fires, and it's caught by Fontenot. Tries to break a tackle, and he's dropped at the seven-yard line. It'll be first and goal to go for the Cleveland Browns. Dennis Smith made the tackle on him. fans are coming alive here. I can feel this booth shaking. This is quite an old stadium, and this booth is shaking. 2.09 remaining in the first half. Denver leads 10-7, but the Browns are threatening again. Fontenot's had an outstanding first half. Five receptions for 54 yards and a touchdown, and now we'll get the two-minute warning. So that's the two-minute warning, but there'll be no warning when the lights go off. Keep an ever-ready flashlight close at hand. Four hours to look. More power to say. More power to play. More power to see and play. We sing today. Ever ready. More power to the USA. Ever ready makes every kind of flashlight for every kind of need. More power to the USA. This bus for all that you do. Thank you. Mel 
Foster with Dave Rowe back in Cleveland. Stay tuned for the halftime show with Stan Martin, and you'll have a chance to win a fine gift for your home furnished by Samsung, makers of affordable home electronics. All it will take is a phone call, and you could be the winner. First and goal to goal for the Cleveland Browns. At the seven-yard line, moving right to left. Bernie Kozar mixing his plays nicely in his first half, although he was intercepted twice, forced a couple of passes. But aside from that, uh, it's been very good play calling. Now they're, they've capitalized on his ability to throw that ball. He threw that ball just fantastically to Clarence Weathers. That was a very impressive throw. Now they're down on the seven-yard line. The one thing they don't want to do in this situation is have to settle for a field goal. That's the last thing they want to do. This is the end zone where Mark Mosley missed that big field goal last week and almost blew the playoff. First and goal to go for the Cleveland Browns. Moving right to left at the Denver 7. Bernie Kozar, whose rights were acquired from the Buffalo Bills for four draft picks. Grew up watching the Browns play. Ryan Seif was one of his heroes, a former Brown quarterback. Kozar waiting the snap from Mike Babb. On first and goal to go at the seven-yard line, Mack is the lone setback. Ricky Langhorn is in motion. The handoff to Mack, running to his right. And he's stopped by three Broncos at the seven-yard line. The ball popped loose, but the play had been blown dead. Ken Woodard was the first Bronco to get to him. Now, what you have to do in this situation is you have to fool the defense. The defense, the secondary, doesn't have to drop very deep because they're in the end zone, so their drops are going to be short. So what you've got to do is you've got to fool them with a pass pattern. He'll pick play in basketball, even though you can't pick in football. You have to do some type of a crossing pattern where you get somebody free. Or you have to do the quick land in the middle where you just bust somebody up in there before the defense can make their adjustments to the on the rush. Ernest Finer and Webster Slaughter split wide to the left. Clarence Weathers is back in. He's split out to the right side. Kozar on the handoff to Max straight ahead, driving inside the five, down to the two-yard line. Freddie Gilbert made the tackle for the Denver Broncos, but it looked like Denver was anticipating a pass, and instead they got a run. Absolutely. That's how you fool them. Everybody was thinking pass in that situation. He runs back, hands the ball on a late draw, and he just runs up the middle. That's what I mean when I say you have to fool them. And the clock is ticking down. Cleveland wants to have no time on the clock when they get this ball if they score. 45 seconds left in the half. Two tight ends in the game now for Cleveland. Travis Tucker and Harry Holt. It's third and goal to go from the two-yard line. Miner and Mack are the running backs. Play action fake by Kozar, running to his right, being chased by Jim Ryan. Throws on the run and throws it down on the turf at the one-yard line. The Broncos are screaming intentional grounding, but I don't see a flag. Well, I don't know. There, I thought I saw a flag on the sideline, but it may be a piece of paper. But yep. Intentional grounding is called against Bernie Kozar, and he's furious as he runs up to the referee, Chuck Heverling, and begins to protest. Well, he had someone in the end zone. And that's what, that's what he's yelling. I had someone in the end zone. He was running to his right. He took the ball. And when he threw it, it looked like he just threw it into the ground. But he had someone in the end zone. He didn't throw it far. He was being chased by Simon Fletcher. And instead of throwing the ball clear out of the end zone, for some reason, he threw it down at about the two. That's the, that's the point. If he had taken the ball and thrown it out of the back of the end zone, it would never have been... Uh, there would never have been the intentional grounding, but that really hurts Bernie, Bernie Kosar. That's something that he's going to learn. When you're in that situation, you throw the ball out of the back of the end zone. You don't throw it in the dirt. Mark Mosley is in to attempt a 30-yard field goal. He was four for five from this range during the regular season. Mosley will kick the game winner last week in double overtime to give the Browns a victory. Ball was spotted down. Mosley's kick is on the way, and it is good. 
Mark Mosley connects from 30 yards out to tie the score at 10. And with 20 seconds left in the first half, it's now Cleveland 10 and Denver 10. A field goal try, an awful choice. You want to boo, but you've lost your voice. Throats get fixed with Vicks. A sore throat needs real relief that's really delicious. A Vicks throat drop. It melts into a refreshing syrup that coats and soothes dry, irritated throats. Vicks Throat Drops, medicated, so use only as directed. You've smoked too much. Your throat is broiling. It seems to you your pipes need oiling. Throats get fixed with Vicks. Throat Drops from Vicks, of course. Mark Mosley's field goal is tied to score at 10 with 20 seconds remaining in the first half. It's been quite a story for Mosley, who was selected the most valuable player in the NFL in 1982, the only kicker to be so honored. Released earlier this year by the Washington Redskins, picked up by the Browns. And he was the hero last week. He wore the goat's horns for a while, though, after missing the field goal in the first overtime. It would have won the game for Cleveland. But I think he would like nothing better than to kick against the Washington Redskins this year. And you know what that would mean? That would mean that he'd have to beat the Redskins in the Super Bowl. That'd be quite a tribute to him in his long career. Mosley said that he's had some phone conversations with the longtime Browns kicker Don Cockroft, who was here for 12 years, was a great kicker, but Cockroft told him, they only remember the kicks you missed. Cockroft, 1980, missed two field goals an extra point in the game, and he's more remembered for that and for the great kicks oh, that he had in his career. Absolutely. That was against the Raiders when they threw the, the last drive. They had no confidence in him, and Sam Tigliano decided to throw the ball. Brian Seif, of course, threw the incomplete, well, the interception in the end zone, and the Raiders went on to the Super Bowl. Ken Bell and Gene Lang are back deep for the Denver Broncos, awaiting Mark Mosley's kickoff. Bell, a rookie from Boston College on the near side. Lang, the veteran on the far side. A 10-10 time. This one is really heating up on a chilly afternoon in Cleveland. Mosley's kick is a squib kick rolling across the 40, fielded by one of the Bronco linemen, and he's tackled at the 41-yard line. That was Mike Freeman, a guard, picking up the ball, and Denver will have the ball with 16 seconds left. Let's pause five seconds for station identification. 31 degrees at 104 on 67 WMAQ Radio Chicago. What do you do now if you're John Elway? Well, I, hey, I don't think they should have done what they did right there. They've got the, Denver's got the ball and they're on 41-yard line. If they get about 20 yards on a quick pass, they've got 16 seconds. They've got enough timeouts. They may get Carlos in field goal range. Three wide receivers to the left side. Jackson, Johnson, and Watson for Denver. Elway back to throw. With time, stepping up in the pocket, guns it underneath to Clint Sampson, heading for the far sidelines, and he's out of bounds near midfield with 10 seconds left. The Broncos have two timeouts remaining. That time Elway sent three wide receivers deep, brought Sampson across the field underneath, and he was wide open. Now they have 10 seconds, so they have time to run a pass. What they have to do is run some type of a pass where he can go down and call a quick timeout. Now if you're Cleveland and he goes down and runs that curl, he might just not tackle him, let him get up, don't let him call timeout. Rich Carlos has kicked a 51-yard field goal this year. The way the wind is swirling and blowing today it would be very difficult on a day like this. And Billy Bryant just called in and said, hey, we got a dirty ball here. I want to change this. So they're going to run a clean ball in from the sideline. Bryant, the Broncos setter, a 10-year veteran from Duke. Elway from the shotgun. Ten seconds left in the first half. A 10-10 tie. goes Elway again with time fires over the middle and it's incomplete at the 40-yard line Elway trying to hit Vance Johnson but well covered by the Browns and now that compounds his problems because now he only has five seconds left now he's almost has to throw the ball deep 
either deep or a quick out pattern to pick up about 8 to 10 yards, but there's just not enough time to throw a pass, complete it, and get the clock stopped in five seconds. Second down and 10 from the Cleveland 49-yard line. Steve Watson goes wide to the left. Mark Jackson is wide to the right. Vance Johnson in the slot left, and Elway from the shotgun. He drops back, firing toward the far sideline, and throws it out of bounds. Gerald Wilhite was the intended receiver, but that will bring the first half to an end. Well, at the end of the first half, for a sellout crowd of over 80,000 here at Cleveland Stadium, the Broncos and the Browns are tied 10-10 in this AFC Championship game. This is Bob Golick of the Cleveland Browns with a special message for everyone in our radio audience. Today we're at Health Hill Hospital in Cleveland. Health Hill is a unique United Way-supported pediatric specialty hospital serving the children of Cleveland. Bobby was referred to Health Hill for control of his acute asthma attack. He participates in a unique outdoor program which is generally unavailable to children with asthma. As time goes by, success builds on success. Barriers to better health are steadily overcome, and hard-won feelings of achievement begin to show. Because of the love, the caring, and the determination to succeed, people like Bobby are winning. Winning their fight to overcome their problems. That's why Bobby can say thanks. Because thanks to you, it works for all of us, the United Way. This message furnished by the National Football League. Stan Martin back in our NBC studios in New York. We are at halftime of the AFC Championship game with the score tied. The Denver Broncos 10, the Cleveland Browns 10, and what has been certainly an interesting first half. Uh, there were three turnovers in the first half, all done by Cleveland. Denver was only able to take care or take advantage of two of them, and we'll have a quick review. To begin with, Cleveland marched 86 yards in the first scoring drive of the game. Uh, Bernie Kozar hooking up with Herman Fontenot on the 14th play of this drive. Back goes Kozar. Swings it out of the backfield to Fontenot. Breaks a tackle and he is in for a touchdown. The PAT was good. That put the Browns up 7-0. And that was the score after one period of play. Denver, as we told you, took advantage of a couple of turnovers by the Cleveland Browns to begin with. The Broncos intercepted uh, Bernie Kozar, but didn't cash in on that one. They intercepted him a second time, drove deep into Brown territory. Rich Carlos kicked a 19-yard field goal. That made it Cleveland 7 and Denver 3. And then a big fumble on the ensuing possession by Cleveland. Denver recovered, drove deep again, and this time took full advantage. Fourth down, goal to goal from the one. It's a big crowd of over 80,000. Reacts to John Elway. Sewell is in motion. Elway takes the snap on the pitch to Wilhite, running right, dives and is into the end zone for a touchdown. And that one put Denver up ahead 10-7 at that point. And right after on the ensuing kickoff, Cleveland got only its second offensive good drive of the first half underway, drove deep into, into Denver territory. Mark Mosley wound up by kicking a 29-yard field goal, and that's where we are at halftime with the score tied 10-10. We'll kick it off to get the second half underway. The Browns moving left to right. Cleveland wearing the white home uniforms with orange and brown trim. The Broncos in the orange jerseys, white pants, blue helmets, blue and white trim. Gene Lang and Ken Bell are back deep, awaiting Mosley's kickoff. Lang on the near side, Bell on the far side. The second half is underway from Cleveland Stadium. A high, short kick, fumbled by Bell at the 10. He picks it up, and he's smothered there at the 8-yard line. D.D. Hoggard was all over. 
over him, and he gets up, pumping his arms, gesturing to the dog pound, and they're howling and barking in that end of the end zone. Oh, what a coverage. When he, when he follows that ball, he barely has time to pick up that ball before Hoggard is right on top of him. That was amazing how quickly he got down the field. I was really surprised. I couldn't believe that he barely picked up the ball, turned around, and wham, there he was, and he was smothered on the eight-yard line. Denver has been plagued by poor field position all afternoon. They'll begin this drive from the eighth. Gerald Wilhite in the backfield for Denver, along with Gene Lang on the delay. The handoff is to Lang, who's hit and dropped at the nine-yard line by Eddie Johnson. And right now, if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, you want the Cleveland defense to hold him down there. You know he's putting into a pretty good wind. He's not going to get a lot of distance. They'll have great field position if they can hold them in this down situation here. Second down, about eight yards to go, and they're on their own 10-yard line. Orson Mobley, the 6'5", 256-pound tight end, checks in, replacing Wilhite. Second down and eight from the 10. Sammy Winder's not in there. Gene Lang is the running back. Johnson is wide to the left. He goes in motion. John Elway drops back inside his five-yard line. Fires over the middle and wide open is Vance Johnson. He's got it to 15 across the 20, heading for the near sideline, and he's out of bounds at the 24-yard line. Chase out by Scott Nicholas of Cleveland. That's a first down for the Broncos. What a great call by Elway to find him coming across the field. Vance Johnson is all the way on the right side of the field. He comes down about five to seven yards and then starts across the field and he loses his coverage. The other coverage goes deep. He loses his coverage. He's running straight across the field. Elway picks him up for a big first down. Vance Johnson, who spent five weeks on injured reserve with a knee injury, back in action. He had a 48-yard touchdown reception last week's playoff game against New England. First down for Denver at the 24. The handoff goes to Sandy Winder, who's back in there. He drives off right tackle for a couple of yards. And again, it's Eddie Johnson, the six-year veteran from Louisville, making the stop. Well, I was watching a play away from it a little bit. Mark, uh, Steve Watson just got leveled by the defensive corner. When he saw his run, he just leveled Steve Watson. Watson got up picking grass out of his face mask and went over, talked to the referee, said, hey, I don't go for this. I'm a wide receiver. Two great cornerbacks, Frank Minifield and Hanford Dixon, like to play bump and run. They're outstanding in one-on-one -on -one coverage. Back goes Elway on second and six. Steps up and guns it long for Watson, and we've got a flag thrown as Watson collided with Frank Minifield, who had him in one-on-one -on -one coverage. That's the thing that Watson did. He set that up with the last play. If it, in fact, is against Frank Benefield, he set it up by going to the referee and said, listen, he stuck me in the face, and they are going to call it against Frank Benefield. It's going to be against Watson or on Watson against Benefield. Looks like it's against the defense, against Benefield. What a play. I watched Watson that play before, and he got leveled, and he went over and told the referee about it, and so they come right back that way through the ball. Defense, number 31. Pass interference against Frank Minifield. That is something that Watson does so well. You know, one year he had 300 and some yards against him in interference penalties that he drew on his defender. First down for the Broncos to Denver 45-yard line. Watson splits out wide to the left. And wide to the right is Vance Johnson. Orson Mobley is his side end in motion. The handoff to Sammy Winder. Hit, stays on his feet, and it stopped at the 46, the gain of a yard. Mike Johnson made the stop. Johnson in his second year from Virginia Tech. Played in the USFL with the Philadelphia and Baltimore Stars. Well, the continuing story out there at corner. That time, Minifield 
The Cleveland defensive back hits Watson in the face about three times. Watson goes back over and talks to the referee. Now, I wonder if Elway could possibly come back. No, Watson's going to come over here on this side of the field. Get away from him. Well, he's no better there with Hanford <laughs> Dixon covering him. Right. Minifield is against Vance Johnson on the far side. Second and nine from the 45. Elway with a deep drop. Being pressured, giving ground. Closes his hit and sails it out of bounds into the Broncos bench. And he got caught by Mike Johnson. And you hear the fans react here. They want pass. They want grounding the ball. <laughs> Look at this. Orson Mobley and Clay Matthews. Mobley ran up behind Matthews and bumped him. And Matthews turned around and waved his hand as if to say, na 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 <laughs> The only way to describe it on the radio. That's exactly <laughs> what it was. <laughs> he just kind of waving his hand, just kind of waving it right in his face. And it looked like he was saying, eh, 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 eh. <laughs> What's this, a replay? Radio replay? <laughs> radio instant replay, right. <laughs> Third down, nine for Denver from the Bronco. 46 and a crowd of over 80,000 is howling. Elway from the shotgun. Steve Watson is in motion. Elway backpedals, sets up, looks, now dancing, running to his right, and he is stopped at the 35 by San Francisco. Elway had no way to go, and what do they do? They run down to the end zone, get the dog pound into it, and boy, they're throwing those bones out there. They've got bone smell all the way out to about the 15-yard line. <laughs> really is incredible. People wearing dog masks, their faces standing up like dogs, they've got dog ears. They said last week when they kicked that field goal that they literally had to get rakes out there and rake the field to get those dog bones off. And I believe it. There are literally thousands of them down there. On 4th and 20 from the 35, Mike Horan is in to punt. Gerald McNeil pumping his legs, trying to get warm as he stands at the Cleveland 20. He's had a big day. Good kick by Horan. Low driving spiral, but that's the kind that'll run back, and it hits along the far sideline and goes out of bounds near the 20. I think McNeil wanted to field that one, but he couldn't get to it in time. A 44-yard kick. That was a driving kick when that ball came off his foot. It was not very high, but it drove it deep and out of bounds. So with 12 minutes remaining in the third quarter, the Broncos and the Browns are tied 10-10 in this AFC championship game. Hands. The working hands of Mr. Goodman. Hands with the know-how to fix General Motors cars. Hands that are strong and sure, gentle and accurate. Hands that can almost see where trouble is and how to make it right again. Hands of skill and experience. Hands that care. The hands of Mr. Goodman. And no one knows your GM car better. No one. Win a luxury Alaskan cruise from Alka-Seltzer Plus Cold Medicine. The cold medicine that helped Libby Riddles win the 1,000-mile Alaskan Iditarod sled dog race offers you the chance to win an Alaskan vacation plus $5,000. Enter the Alaskan Vacation Sweepstakes by May 31st, 1987. You'll find entry forms at Alka-Seltzer Plus displays in all participating stores. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Must be over 18. Alka-Seltzer Plus. Fast, effective relief for tough winter colds. Use as directed. Proctor with Dave Rowe back at Cleveland Stadium, and this town has fallen in love with the Cleveland Browns. They're hungry for a winner in this city, and things are improving. The Cleveland Indians should be a challenge in the American League East this year. The Cleveland Cavaliers are a good young team, although they're still in last place, and the Browns have just absolutely captivated this town. Well, they have, and it's been a long time since 1964 that they've had a playoff championship game here. Of course, those are the old days of Jimmy Brown, Otto Graham, those type of, those type of players, so they've had a long dry spell. Cleveland's ball, first down at the 21-yard line, a 10-10 tie with 12 minutes. 
Remaining in the third quarter, the Browns have Ricky Bolden, Cody Rice at the tackles, Paul Farron and Dan Fiker, the guards, and Mike Babb, who is not wearing an undershirt. He's the center. He's got those bare arms sticking out. His idols are Tarzan and Conan. He says he admires Conan because he's big, strong, and honorable. He never hurts a woman, and he's not afraid of anything. And apparently, <laughs> Mike Babb is not afraid of cold weather. He reminds me a lot of Mickey Webster. Uh, Mike Webster, the great center for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They used to play against him, and he'd go out there and be freezing, and he'd have those big arms, and he'd be bare there, and you'd look at him and just be bright red, and that's what Mike Babb's arms are. They're just bright red today. He appears to be the only player on either team that's not wearing some sort of undershirt. Well, you know, there was a lot of discussion this week about taking the Cleveland Browns went down to Florida to practice. And Marty Schottenheimer, coach, said, listen, I don't want to have this distraction of the players trying to keep warm during practice. I want them to practice and enjoy practice. And uh, they have enjoyed practice. They had a good week of practice. Will not operate for the rest of this game. So Apparently the, the uh, field judge will keep the 30 seconds on the field. 30-second clock is not operating for Chuck Heberling. Now, that could be an important thing, Mel, because the 30-second clock is set in the end zone so the quarterback can see it and he can time his plays. Here come the Browns moving left to right in the 21-yard line. Herman Fondno and Brian Brennan are wide to the right. Webster Slaughter is wide to the left. Kevin Mack is a lone setback. Bernie Kozar on the handoff to Mack. Starts up the middle, bounces to the outside, racing to the near sideline across the 25-30, and knocked out of bounds at the 32-yard line by Lewis Wright. Herman Fondno threw a great block for Mack, a 13-yard pickup and a first down. Well, third, Brian Brennan, he was, he's the wide receiver on that plane. He has to hook the cornerback. Now, he doesn't throw a big block because he's not a big person, but he kind of throws a nagging block around the legs and the ankles. The cornerback couldn't get free, and he just, and the running back, Brian, uh, excuse me, Kevin Mack just went around the outside. Good block by Brian Brennan. Reggie Langhorn is wide to the right. Webster Slaughter split to the left. Fodno and Mack are the running backs. Split behind Bernie Kozar. Fodno is in motion out of the backfield. Kozar with play action. Looks to his right. Guns the pass to Fodno, and he's knocked out of bounds near the 40. Trying to elude Lewis Wright, and then was driven out of bounds by Dennis Smith, a pro bowl free safety for the Broncos, and missed last week's game against New England with a knee injury. Randy Robbins started in place of him. I'll tell you, Fontenot, coming out of that backfield, has as good a hand as any running back you'll see coming out of the backfield. He is just making X plate around turn. High, low, it doesn't make any difference. He's got very good hands. He was a wide receiver at LSU. Second down and five from the Cleveland 39. Goes on the handoff to Kevin Mack, slanting off the left side, across the 40 and out to the 42-yard line, close to a first down. Carl Mecklenburg and Rulon Jones made the tackle. Mecklenburg is known as the albino rhino. Well, he is quite a player. When Mecklenburg came in, he really is the one that you have got to control on the defense. He does so many different things. He lines up all across the field. He's got 130 tackles, so he's the number two tackler on the Denver Bronco team. Nine and a half sacks, and he's a linebacker, defensive end, lineman, whatever you want to call him, he plays that position. Third and one. High formation. Biner has joined Kevin Mack in the Cleveland backfield. Ernest Biner is the lead back. The handoff to Mack, and he is hit, but breaks the tackle, fights forward, and it's going to be very close. He broke out of the tackle of Tom Jackson, who had him stop for a loss. Boy, Tom Jackson just slid through the line and met Kevin Mack, and it's so surprised Kevin Mack, he didn't even have time to get his weight going forward. He caught him, he just guessed that he was going to do it. He guessed that the ball was going to be handed to him. He slipped, slipped through the line and just smacked Kevin Mack, made him come up about a yard short. So a loss of the yard, and Jeff Gossett is in the punt at fourth and two from the 42. Gerald Wilhite stands at the Denver 15. 
Costa drives his foot into it. A high driving spiral. Wilhite will let it hit. It'll roll inside the 10 and into the end zone for a touchback. Well, that was a kick. That was, the wind must have been blowing that way because that was about a, almost a 57-yard kick. Wow, what a kick. Really difficult to uh, judge the wind. It swirls. It changes directions. And now we've got a timeout with 10-20 remaining in the third quarter. The Broncos and the Browns tied 10-10. More great news from Sears. A ratchet is only as good as its warranty. This one is part of a 53-piece Craftsman Mechanics tool set that's warranted forever. And the great news from Sears is that right now, all 53 pieces, including 3 eighths and quarter-inch drive, and metric and standard sockets are just $39.99. So hurry, our warranty lasts forever. But at this price, quantities won't. There's more for your life. More great news. At Sears. See store for warranty details. The Broncos and the Browns are meeting for the first time ever in postseason play, and they're tied 10-10. This is the NFL on NBC. Now I'm a believer, not a no doubt Stealing is believing at your local Chrysler Plymouth dealer. The deals he's making right now will leave no doubt in your mind about where to go for a new car. From the economical America to the luxurious New Yorker. From the hot new Sundance to the top-performing GTS. Your Chrysler Plymouth dealer has a great lineup of high-technology front-wheel drive cars. And its exclusive five-year or 50,000-mile protection plan is something you can really believe in. So, for great deals on great new cars, see your local Chrysler Plymouth dealer today. He's ready to make you a believer. with Dave Rowe back in Cleveland at 10-10 tie. 20 has kind of been the magic number for the Broncos this year. They're 12-0 when they scored 20 or more points. They're 0-5 when they scored less than 20. And the Broncos begin this drive from their own 20-yard line. John Elway on first down. Has to Sammy Winder running to his right, looking for blocking. Turns the corner, across the 20, and upended at the 25-yard line by strong safety Ray Ellis. Sammy Winder, who's led the Broncos in rushing every year since 1982. He was a fifth-round pick in the 1982 season. Picked up seven yards on first down to make it second and three at the 27. Winder had a big game last week against the Patriots. Carried 19 times for 102 yards. Steve Watson is wide to the left. Vance Johnson is wide to the right. Back goes Elway, setting up inside the 20. Fires left, and it's off the hands of tight end Orson Mobley at the 31, and a late flag is thrown. Ray Ellis was back in coverage for the Cleveland Browns. Pass thrown a little behind Mobley, who tried to come back and get it. And it's going to go against Cleveland. It's going to be holding, probably. So that flag is thrown. It's thrown, thrown way downfield by the center referee. He's way downfield. Illegal contact, number 59 on the defense. Five yards. Against Mike Johnson, linebacker for the Browns. It's interesting to note that certain referees that they all have responsibilities, and that referee that threw that flag, he allowed he is the, one, the umpire. Excuse me, the umpire. All right. Well, he is a referee. There's though. only one referee. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, the umpire who threw that flag is responsible for the tight end release. And there's only one umpire. <laughs> First and ten at the 32-yard line. And the 
flags are throwing again as uh, the 30-second clock may have expired on Joe on our way to that or someone moved too early. Well, Reggie Camp saying it was Ken Lanier. Ken Lanier saying, uh-uh, it was Reggie Camp. We'll have to let either the umpire or the referee decide this, Phil. <laughs> or we could let the line judge decide it. Or the head linesman. <laughs> or the back judge. This Chuck Heverling announced it. Encroachment, <laughs> defense, 5-1. No number given, although it appeared to be Reggie Camp, the left defensive end. He's the one making these gestures. That's Mr. Heverling who just made that call, so I would imagine it was him. That's your first tip-off. <laughs> I don't know if he's first and five, but let's see if John Elway goes for a big play here. First and five at the Denver 37. Steve Toole is wide to the right. Vance Johnson, Steve Watson is split to the left. Elway's going to throw, dropping back, and a deep drop throws underneath, and the pass is caught at the 42-yard line by Clarence Kay, who was just activated. And he's got a first down. Kay had been in a drug rehabilitation program in California the last four weeks. His first reception of the day. And I know he's going to feel good getting back into a Broncos uh, uniform. He has been away, as you said, for four weeks. They consider him the best blocking tight end. Orson Mobley may be the best receiving tight end for this Bronco unit also. They also consider him the best blocking tight end in the National Football League. Absolutely. He's that type of player. He gets Denver a first down for Bronco 45. Johnson is wide right, Watson wide left. Mobley is in motion. Elway with a play-action fake, pump fake, now looking long, firing down the far sideline. Mobley can't hold it. It's incomplete at the 35-yard line of Cleveland as he went airborne trying to make a one-handed catch. But Clay Matthews jolted him and knocked the ball loose. That was an interesting play on Elway's part because what he did is he faked the play-action. Now, when you fake play-action, what you do is you put a hand into the running back, and it's designed to look like a running play. He brought it out. They pumped the ball to allow Mobley to get down the sideline, then threw him the ball, but it was too highly, too high thrown for Mobley to catch. Second down and 10 at the 45-yard line of Denver. Elway on a delay, hands to Stanley Winder, running to his left, and he's dropped in midfield by Anthony Griggs and Mike Johnson. Gain of five yards on the play. It'll be third and five. Now, from, the, from my viewpoint, you get the feeling that the next team that scores could win this game. It's that type of game. Both teams have been unable to move the ball in any consistency. Cleveland had some success in the first half, but right now it's kind of like, like a little chess match right now. You do this, I try to counter. I try to do this, and you try to counter. The Browns have six defensive backs in the game. Elway from the shotgun, third and five at midfield. Three wide receivers for the Broncos. Elway retreats inside the 40, firing long, and it's intercepted. Mark Harper grabs it, but he's out of bounds. And the Browns are furious. He stepped in front of Mark Jackson, the intended receiver, and caught it just as he was sailing out of bounds. And you don't want to argue that point too much because you can get a flag thrown on your front sportsmanlike contact. They'll review it on the instant replay to see if, in fact, he did come down. The question was whether he came down with his feet inbounds. He made a tremendous catch. He stepped right in front of the receiver, came down with both feet. I don't know if both feet came down or not. We may have it overruled by an instant replay, or we may have it upheld. It was a great play. See if it stands. Although they say he was out of bounds, that was the, the ruling. Let's see what the replay says. They're looking 
had it. You see him in fact he came down with both feet inbound. What do you think, Chuck Heverly? John Elway has suffered this afternoon. Bernie Kozar has been kicked off twice. First down for the Browns at the Cleveland 30. A 10-10 tie with 825 remaining in the third quarter in this AFC Championship game. Reggie Langhorn is wide to the right. Three-year veteran from Elizabeth City State. Webster Slaughter is wide to the left. Ernest Finer and Kevin Mack are in the I formation. Bernie Kozar takes the snap. Play action fake. Back to throw. Firing long downfield, and he overthrows the intended receiver, Webster Slaughter, at the 30-yard line. But he was well covered by Mike Harden, the right cornerback for Denver. But that's an open-him-up pass. Kozar threw that ball about 50 yards in the air just to get those defensive backs, just to let them know that he can throw that ball deep. Now he's got second down and 10. Now he'll come back probably to a safe pass in the 12 to 17-yard range, maybe a curl, but he's going. it's almost a definite passing situation, second down and 10. But that's what the defense is thinking. Defensive linemen are saying, let's get pressure on him. Second and ten, definite passing situation. Bernie Kozar, who had three 400-yard passing games this year against Miami and Pittsburgh in the regular season, last week in the playoffs against the Jets. The handoff to Fontenot, running left, spins and breaks a tackle, and he tripped up at the 30-yard line. So they will lose a yard. Steve Wilson came up to make the tackle. Well, I told you it was a definite passing situation. He just didn't hear me. He decided he wanted to try to run the ball, but... Denver is just, they play good, solid defense. When I say solid, they don't get. One thing will get you in trouble quicker than anything as a defensive player is to guess and guess wrong. Denver plays solid up front. Their linebackers react quickly to the ball, and they don't make mental mistakes. Lawrence Weathers, who had a 42-yard reception in the first half, is in the game now for Cleveland. Four wide receivers, two to each side. Fondo is in the backfield as Kozar drops back to throw. Has to fire it in a hurry. It's underthrown and incomplete at the 45-yard line, although the intended receiver went down. That was Webster Slaughter. Looks like he got his feet tangled up with Steve Wilson. But Rulon Jones was in there putting a lot of pressure on Bernie Kozar. That'll bring up fourth down. Well, Rulon Jones, who's a great sack man, of course, he is. He's got 13 and a half sacks. He had a couple big sacks last week, one for a safety. He put tremendous pressure on Kozar. Kozar couldn't wait for the play to develop and had to just unload the ball. Jeff Gossett, who averaged 41.2 yards per kick this year for Cleveland, is in the punt. Gets off a short end-over-end kick. Gerald Wilhite lets it hit. It rolls inside the 30, fielded by Wilhite, and he's dropped right there. A 42-yard punt. D.D. Hoggard, who's had a big day on the special teams for Cleveland, was down there to make the stop. We've got a timeout with 7.18 remaining in the third quarter. The Browns and the Broncos tied 10-10. Welcome to our stockholders meeting. Now, last year, our profits were down, but we're planning to make little cuts here and there, like dropping AT&T long-distance service. Uh, sir? Oh, um, no. Yes, Wilson? Wilson, one share. Right. With another long-distance service, we may not save that much, and we'll lose the quality and reliability of AT&T. Good point. All in favor of keeping AT&T long-distance, signify by saying aye. Aye. Next, the stockholders gala party. Sir? Now, in order to save money... Uh, sir? Everybody will bring one deviled egg. Sir? Yes, Wilson? Wilson, one share. Yes. You know, AT&T... Wilson, we voted on keeping AT&T. But I thought the stockholders might like to know that AT&T has just lowered their out-of-state 
day and evening direct dialed rates again as of January 1st. Thank you. Now, if we make costumes out of bed sheets... Rose in one chair. What? And AT&T is an even greater value with volume discount calling plans like Pro-America and Pro-State. Great. Are you finished? Yes, sir. Now, if you ask your mom to each make a dozen chocolate chip cookies... Well, in one chair. This better not be about AT&T. I move we make peanut butter cookies instead of chocolate chip. For crying out loud, well, but I don't... AT&T, the right choice. Sports question. Who quarterbacked the Miami Hurricanes to the 83 National Championship? Do-it-yourself question. Who can help you do any decorating job better? For questions about decorating, Sherwin-Williams has the answers. And for paint, wall coverings, floor coverings, window treatments, Sherwin-Williams has the quality. So for questions about Bernie Kozar, check a sports almanac. But for decorating... With Dave Rose, this is Mel Proctor back at Sold Out Cleveland Stadium. A crowd of over 80,000 here this afternoon on a cold, windy day. No scoring so far in the third quarter. A 10-10 tie in this AFC title game. The Denver Broncos have the ball and will begin this drive at their 30-yard line. John Elway is the only Bronco quarterback ever to have two 3,000-yard seasons. Passed for nearly 3,500 yards this year. Broncos moving right to left. Watson is wide to the left. Vance Johnson wide right on a delay of the handoff to Winder, slanting to his right across the 30 out to the 32-yard line where he's met by Anthony Griggs, five-year veteran from Ohio State and another of those former Philadelphia Eagles. Now, one thing that may be of significance to Denver off offense is that Gerald Wilhite, the starting left uh, halfback, I should say, is on the sideline with a case. He suffered a shoulder injury last week, aggravated in the first half, and we haven't seen him in the second half. Well, he is running back punt, so that's about it. Second down, eight from the 32. Vance Johnson and Steve Watson split out to the left side. Johnson is in motion left to right. Elway dropping back. Has time. Looks. Guns it over the middle and is caught by a leaping tight end, Clarence Kay, at the 47-yard line for a first down. Great catch by Kay going airborne to pull it in. And one of the things about Kay that's interesting is that you know, as good a tight end as he is, four weeks ago, he went on this drug rehabilitation. He had, obviously had substance problems. And Dan Reeves, who's the coach of Denver, said, we're concerned about Clarence, the human being, not just Clarence, the football player. And uh, he evidently has made a recovery. He's back in a Bronco uniform, and nothing bigger than that catch. First and ten for the Broncos at the Denver 47-yard line. Steve Toole is in motion. Elway on the handoff to Gene Lang, driving it out. Across midfield into Cleveland territory. I think it's Sammy Winder on the carry. Sam Clancy made the tackle for Cleveland. And Denver is still splitting the Cleveland defense wide, especially Keith Bishop. He's got about a yard slip between he and the center, and it makes a natural hold. It moves the ends out wider, the linebackers are out wider, and makes those holes up the center bigger than you ever believe. You just can't believe how tough it is to move and make that tackle as a nose man. Broncos have two tight ends in the game, one of them being used as a U-back. That's Mobley who goes in motion to hand off to Winder, twisting and turning up the middle across the 40 and down to the 36-yard line. He's got a first down for the Broncos as Clay Matthews makes the stop. And there's another example of it. They're splitting him out wide. It puts the nose man about four to five yards from the, from the end. And if they can control the nose man, they've got a natural hole there. And Winder, he's finding it. Gene Lang has found that seam. It's just a natural hole. Now, Cleveland has to make some adjustments with their linebackers. That's Johnson. He's wide to the left. Steve Tool is wide to the right. Wilhite is back in there running back along with Sammy Winder. The handoff to Wilhite. 
Takes the hip, drives forward, and he stops out the 35-yard line. A gain of two yards as Anthony Griggs makes the stop. And it's good to see Will Height back there if you're a Denver Bronco fan because he is one of the premier running backs, blocking backs, and, of course, receivers coming out of the backfield. He had 64 catches in the regular season. He's an integral part of this Bronco offense. He broke the Bronco record for receptions by a running back in a season. The old mark was set by Bo Dickinson with 60 catches in 1962. Second down and eight for Denver at the Cleveland 35. Elway dropping back quickly. Looks and guns it underneath the passes caught by Orson Mobley for a first down at the 26-yard line. We've got a penalty marker down back near the line of scrimmage. And that's, I believe, is going to be a personal foul against Cleveland for roughing the quarterback. Richie Camp came in there late and looked like he got a free shot at John Elway, so that'll be tacked on if, in fact, it is. Unnecessary roughness, number 96, roughing the passer. That's exactly what it was. Called on Reggie Camp, a 275 four-year veteran from California. And the penalty will give the Broncos the first down at the Cleveland 12. Denver threatening to take the lead with four minutes left in the third quarter. Well, they've been able to run the ball because of those splits. They've been able to pass the ball because they've got Winder in the backfield and they've got Wilhite back there and they've been finding Orson Mobley. This is a good drive by Denver. Cleveland takes Carl Harrison, a defensive lineman out, and Anthony Griggs, an extra linebacker, checks in. Elway on the handoff to Stanley Winder running to his left across the 15 and wrestled out of bounds at the 12-yard line. A gain of only a yard. And now a fight breaks out between Vance Johnson of Denver and Hanford Dixon of Cleveland. A couple of quick punches thrown, but no serious damage. Well, when you're 5'11", 170 pounds, you don't stay in there long. You kind of, you hit quick and get out of there. Basic the, hit and run. That's exactly what it is. Well, that pass, that pass interference penalty, uh, excuse me, say roughing the passer penalty was just a, a foolish mistake by Reggie Camp. That really hurt his uh, defensive unit. Carl Hairston is back in. The 11-year veteran from Maryland Eastern Shore is the defensive captain. Griggs comes out. Second down and eight at the 11-yard line. Elway, back to throw. Little screen pass caught by Gene Lang. Gives the man a stiff arm, races to the far sideline, and he's inside the 10, down to the 9-yard line. Tackle made by Mike Johnson of Cleveland. And this is one of the downs that really puts a lot of pressure on a defensive unit. When you have an Elway back there who has that great mobility, and we saw him run for that long run in this third down situation in the first half. He's got third down. He's got about, probably about six yards to go for a first down. If you get pass rush on him, you've got to get pressure on him to stop his pass, but you also, also have to stay in front of him to not allow him to run. The Browns are expecting a pass. They take out the nose tackle, Bob Golick. Elway from the shotgun, third and six at the Cleveland nine. A 10-10 tie. Back goes Elway with time. Fires into the end zone. It's knocked down by Mike Johnson. He swatted it down at the six-yard line. And while the Broncos is shaken up, can't pick up a number, but he's lying in the end zone. So that'll bring up fourth down, and Rich Carlos is in to try a field goal. Gerald Wilhite is the man who's shaken up. He was hurt earlier. He was the intended receiver. As Elway tried to hit him in the end zone, he got popped, and Elway's pass was deflected. Well, what a close call on that interception. It really should have been an interception. It hit him right smack in the hand. But it was just because of the velocity that he throws with, he doesn't, the defender doesn't come up with the interception. And we've got a timeout with a score tie. Denver 10 and Cleveland 10. But for all that you do 
you burn yourself that through. At Navistar, we don't think you should choose a truck for your business the way you choose a car for your family. You should think of the people who specialize in trucks, not cars. International. International trucks are designed with durable diesel engines to deliver the reliability and dependability that can help keep your business productive. For more information, see the International Truck Specialist, nearest you. International. No truck works harder for your money. There's more championship football coming up right after this game. Don Cricky and Bob Trumpy are standing by at Giants Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey, where the Redskins and Giants are getting ready to meet for the NFC title and a Super Bowl berth. After the game, you'll have a chance to get into the act by calling Bob Trumpy at 1-800-NFL-LIVE. So keep your radio dial tuned to the NFL on NBC. I'm Mel Proctor along with Dave Rowe here in Cleveland as we near the end of the third quarter, 254 remaining. And the Denver Broncos will attempt a field goal. This will be about a 26-yarder by Rich Carlos, who during the regular season made 20 of 28, kicked two last week against New England. Gary Kubiak will hold for him a 26-yard attempt by the barefoot Carlos. Kubiak with his hands spread, takes the snap, spots it down, the kick is on the way, and it is good as the Denver Broncos take the lead on Rich Carlos' second field goal of the game. It's now 13-10 Denver. That was an important kick for Rich Carlos. He has got to make that kick in order to give them a lead, and he does. Wow. I'd like to remind you that on January the 25th, the NFL and NBC will be in Pasadena, California for Super Bowl 21. Our coverage begins at 5 p.m. Eastern time with a pregame show with Bob Costas. Then Don Cricky and Bob Trumpy will bring you all the action. After the game, it'll be your turn to participate by calling 1-800-NFL-LIVE. All coming your way on Sunday, January the 25th, the Super Bowl, right here on NBC Radio. thing you don't want to do if you're a Cleveland Brown is to panic in this situation. You're only down three minutes, three points. You've got two minutes and 50 seconds left in this third quarter. A lot of time, and you've got one of the most, the best scoring machines in the, in the history of the National Football League with Mark Mosley. Remember a few years ago, he had that tremendous string where he put together a lot of kicks. Uh, 23 straight. 23 straight field goals at all different distances. And uh, all they do is have to get in his range. Dropping back deep for Cleveland are Gerald McNeil, Reggie Langhorn, and Herman Fontenot. And let's pause five seconds for station identification. 2 o'clock, 26 degrees at WMAQ Radio Chicago. Rich Carlos will kick it off. Carlos, we mentioned, is a barefoot kicker, which has to be rough on a day like this. But when he is not kicking and he's on the sidelines, he's got a bright orange down boot that he wears to keep that foot warm. As I look on the sideline over there, someone's got his boot on. I guess they're trying to keep it warm for him. <laughs> the cold, windy afternoon here in Cleveland. Temperatures in the 30s. The wind really whipping around, coming off Lake Erie. And in the distance out on the lake, you can see the big breakers. You know, I've never understood with a barefoot kicker what the advantage is. Why, why the advantage? Like, they say they feel the ball better. I'm sure they do. But uh, I've never seen the advantage of why you have to kick barefoot over kicking with, say, a soccer-style shoe. Carlos approaches the football. Here's his kickoff, a high, short, end-over-end kick. 
It's taken by Herman Fondo, running it back across the 25-30. 35-40, out to the 45-50, and dragged down at midfield. But there's a penalty marker down. Good run back by Herman Fondo. Darren Como made the tackle for the Denver Broncos, but there's a flag lying back at the 27-yard line. The illegal block in the back, that's the one that's a five-yard penalty where they just, what they do is you push someone in the back. It's not the clip where you're blocking below the waist. It's just a, they call it almost an inadvertent shove from behind. Illegal block, above the waist in the back, number 58, on your return. Ten yards, first down. Scott Nicholas, guilty of the illegal block. And Mel, to tell you the impact that that penalty has, Looks as if it's just a five-yard penalty, but they had the ball at the 50-yard line, so that's a 33-yard penalty, because now they're back on their own 17. Fine run back by Herman Fondo is negated by the penalty, and it's a first down for the Browns at the Cleveland 17. Denver leading 13-10. to 10. Browns have been penalized 10 times today for 62 yards. Backs in the I formation, Biner and Max. Reggie Langhorn is in motion. The handoff is to Ernest Mack, the second man through, and he busts it off to the 21-yard line. Gain of four yards on the play. Both Mack and Viner gained over 1,000 yards each last year, only the third duo in NFL history to accomplish that feat. Larry Zork and Mercury Morris each gained over 1,000 yards. The Dolphins in 72. Franco Harris and Rocky Blyer accomplished the feat for the Steelers in 76. And if you're a Cleveland Brown, you have to believe. That's one thing that they, the offensive linemen have said when Kozar is in there, he says, don't worry, we're going to drive this ball down the field. He's got great confidence, and he exudes it to his offensive line. Ozzie Newsom is wide to the right. Herman Fondo is wide to the left. Mack is the lone setback. Long count by Bernie Kozar. Dropping back to throw. Looks left and completes the pass to the 32-yard line to Webster Slaughter. Cross the 35 to the 40 and drops there. Webster Slaughter, a rookie from San Diego State, who had 40 receptions during the regular season. Mike Harden and Randy Robbins bring him down at the 40. That's the first down for Cleveland. The slaughter looks like he may be hurt. He got stung in the, in the left shoulder when he went down. The thing that made that play work is that Webster Slaughter really ran the defensive back about 12 to 15 yards deep, did a quick curl. When he got the ball, he kind of swung off there. The defensive back didn't react quick enough, and he picked up the additional yardage. Brian Brennan is wide to the left along with Reggie Langhorn. Mack and Fontenot in the backfield. First down for the Cleveland Browns at the Cleveland 40-yard line. Kozar with a play-action fake. Back to throw. Looks, fires, and it's caught along the far sidelines at the 38-yard line by Reggie Langhorn for a first down. And you have to love Bernie Kozar in this situation. He goes in that huddle. He says, you got to believe we've got the magic. Everybody in Cleveland thinks this is their year. He goes in there, exudes that offense, and now he's come up with two big plays. You know, a lot of quarterbacks in this situation, he's thrown two interceptions, he's behind, would get rattled, especially with the inexperience he has, but not Bernie Kosar. Clarence Weathers is in the game. He's wide to the left. Brennan is put out to the near side along with Ernest Viner. Kosar on the handoff to Max, straight ahead. Driving to the 36, a gain of a couple of yards. Jim Ryan and Tom Jackson bring him down. Getting back to Kozar, Paul Farron, the left guard, said that last week when the Browns were down 20 to 10 with just over four minutes left in regulation that Kozar came into the huddle and said, men, we're going to go get this game. He said they were just amazed by how he pulled this team together, and uh, he was true to his word. They came from behind to win it in double overtime. 
Uh, one of the things you have to admire him, he came into Cleveland. Now, who wants to play in Cleveland? Bernie Kosar did. He said it when he was drafted. Well, he's from Boardman, Ohio. The handoff is to Max. Starts up the middle. Bounces the outside. Running down the near sideline and pushed out of bounds inside the 30. They'll mark him out of bounds at the 27-yard line. And now another fight breaks out as Mack gets into it with a couple of the Broncos. Ernest Viner also over there. Boy, a lot of jawing going on in this game. Nobody's swinging, but everybody right up in the other guy's face. This is a day you don't want to hit anybody. It hurts. <laughs> and I thought that was really interesting in Tozar. He said, I want to play with Cleveland. Like you said, there's a young boy who's brought to this stadium. This stadium's seen some of the greatest football players to ever play this game. He said, this is where I want to play. Everybody always wants to go to the so-called Southern teams or the teams that have the great records, but he wanted to play here. First down for the Cleveland Browns at the Denver 27. Denver leading 13-10, 14 seconds remaining in the third quarter. Three wide receivers for the Browns. Goes on the handoff to Mack, off left tackle, driving hard down to the 20-yard line. Ricky Hundley and Steve Foley coming up to make the stop. And that should bring the quarter to an end. Devin Mack has carried 20 times for 82 yards. And that's the end of the third quarter from Cleveland Stadium as the Browns are coming to life behind the running of Kevin Mack. And at the end of three quarters of this AFC Championship game, it's Denver 13 and Cleveland 10. A cough has turned your throat to paste. You want relief and good taste. Throats get fixed with Vicks. Problem throat? You want a Vicks throat drop. It's real relief and really delicious. Melts into a refreshing syrup that coats and soothes dry, irritated throats. Vicks Throat Drops. Medicated, so use only as directed. You're skiing and shushing on the fly. You look great, but your throat is dry. Throats get fixed with Vicks. Throat Drops from Vicks, of course. Bill Proctor with Dave Rowe back in Cleveland. A crowd of over 80,000 here this afternoon, and this is the NFL on NBC. Business Shuffle with Chicago Bear Willie Gold. Hey, business fans, stop shuffling around. I got a tip for you in this world-class town. You want world-class performance and world-class speed? Then counting equipment what your business needs. Get this equipment at Ambassador Door, a showroom room that has what you're looking for, like world-class copiers that's Canon fast, and PC copies you know will last. Of course, there's a Canon fax machine. It'll keep your office running lean and mean. But that's not all. There's a whole lot more, like the service you get from Ambassador Door. So shuffle on down, check the Canon line at Ambassador Door. You'll be in time. Get a color poster of Willie Golf. If you miss this offer, it's not my fault. In the Hancock building and out in the birds in Elk Grove Village where the world is heard. World class speed, performance, and more. Catch Canon equipment at Ambassador Door. Call 228-5700. Then you'll see your office will run wonderfully. That's 228-5700. The Cleveland Browns using the running of tough, durable Kevin Mack have driven down to the 20. Show you how tough he is and how durable he played the full USFL season 1985. Joined the Browns with the training camp. And last year rushed for over 1,000 yards. Played football almost year-round. Second down three at the 20. Action moving right to left. The handoff to Mack running to his right. Across the 20. Driving forward inside the 15 down to the 14-yard line in the first down. Just running over Denver Broncos, Steve Foley finally brought him down. And what a block by Kevin Viner. Viner has been on injured reserve for, what, eight or nine weeks, and he comes in here, throws a great block. It is the running of Kevin Mack, but Viner's the one that really is throwing the great block on that play to Springer. 
Mack and Viner had played only seven quarters together this year until being reunited this afternoon in this playoff game. First shot at the 14-yard line of Denver. Harry Holt, the tight end, just on the right side to the left. Mack is the lone setback, a wide receiver to each side. And it's Mack again, straight ahead, driving down to the 11-yard line. Carl Mecklenburg makes the stop. Another little skirmish breaks out. And who starts it? It was Viner. He's downfield throwing blocks on, on Lilly, the safety on that play. He just went down and leveled them. It was Ernest Finer, I should say. Did I say Kevin Finer? I meant to say Ernest Finer. But they really are matching pairs of running backs. They've got, they've got similar abilities, similar styles. They're both bruising-type runners. And a lot of times you can get them mixed up because they both wear four, 34 and 44. Reggie Langhorn and Ernest Finer wide to the right. Kozar takes the snap, hands to Mack, running to his right, drives forward inside the 10, down to the 8-yard line, where Simon Fletcher, a 240-pound two-year veteran from Houston, brings him down. Mentioned Mack and Viner. Kevin Mack gives a lot of credit to Ernest Viner for helping him when he first came into the NFL last year. Mack broke Jim Brown's rookie rushing record for the Browns last year with 1,104 yards. Third down and three. Big down. Boy, this is an awfully big down. They don't want to have to settle for a field goal, not after having driven the ball almost the length of the field. Langhorn splits to the right. Brian Brennan and Clarence Weathers are wide to the left. Herman Fontenot is in the backfield now. Kozar with a short drop. Looks to his left, retreating, and he throws it away. Threw it out of the end zone. Brian Brennan was the nearest man to it. I think he wanted to go to Fontenot first, and Fontenot stepped up, then decided he was just going to fly out of the backfield, and when he did, the Broncos had delegated a linebacker with him. They said, hey, he's caught too many passes. Kozar was under a lot of pressure, and in comes Mr. Mosley. Boy, I tell you, every kick is big now. This will be a 26-yard attempt by Mark Mosley, who kicked the field goal just before the end of the first half to tie the score at 10, and now he'll try to tie it at 13. It's interesting to note that Schottenheimer, when he got that second chance, Schottenheimer, he asked what was the words to Mosley. He, he told him, he said, go in there and kick this one, make it good so we can all go home. I'm tired. When Mosley missed the field goal in the first overtime period, he was asked how he felt. He said he felt like he had 80,000 people on his shoulders, all of them with knives aimed at his back. He said he didn't want to end his career that way. And he kicked the game winner in the second overtime period to give the Browns a victory. Jeff Gossett spots it down, and Mosley's kick is perfect. So we are tied again with 12.38 remaining in the fourth quarter in this AFC championship game. It's Cleveland 13 and Denver 13. Maybe you're moving. And maybe you're the kind of person who wouldn't mind moving himself to save a few bucks. But maybe you're wondering just what you'd be getting yourself into. Well, maybe you ought to call your nearby rider dealer. Because he's got things like hand trucks and furniture pads. So the heavy stuff becomes light. And the light stuff becomes safe. So pull out your yellow pages and call Ryder now. If you do, the only thing you'll be getting yourself into is a new home. Life is full of changes, and State Farm is there. We can't clean out this garage. Why not? You'd have to throw away too many memories. Yeah. Remember when Jenny rode his tricycle? Look around you. If you see your insurance needs have changed, auto, home, life, or health, see a State Farm agent for a family insurance checkup. The advice is free, and the decisions are yours. No 
Proctor with Dave Rowe back at Cleveland Stadium where Mark Mosley's 26-yard field goal, his second of the game, is tied the score at 13-all. Mosley, a three-time Pro Bowler, originally drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles, also played with Houston, spent most of his career with the Redskins, and it was a crushing blow for him when he was released by Washington. You know, you talk about Rich Carlos being a barefoot kicker and how barefoot kickers feel they have a better touch. Well, Mosley wears about 10 pairs of socks and he did. He's one of the few conventional kickers. I can't think of another conventional kicker. When you say conventional, you mean non-soccer style that approaches the ball straight on. He's got big old square-toed shoes. He looks like he's kind of a throwback to the 60s and 70s in the world of professional football. Reminiscent of some great kickers here in Cleveland. Lou the Toe Grosen, Don Cockroft. Mosley ready to kick off with 12.38 left in the fourth quarter, a 13-all tie. Ken Bell and Gene Lang are back deep for the Denver Broncos. Here's Mosley's kickoff. It's a good one. High end over end kick. It'll be taken by Lang at the 5, straight ahead of the 10, 15. Tries to cut back, and he's dubbed at the 18-yard line. Again, tremendous coverage by Cleveland on the special teams. Major Everett was down there to make the tackle. Well, a mark of a great special teams unit is anytime you tackle that kickoff, inside the 20-yard line because if you allow it to go in the end zone you automatically get it out to the 20-yard line and Cleveland has come down consistently stopping Denver from returning it at least out to the 20-yard line first down for the Broncos moving left to right start at the 19-yard line Mark Jackson flips out wide to the right he set a Bronco rookie record for receiving yards this year Sammy Winder and Gene Lang are the running backs. Steve Toole is in motion from a wing left. The pitch is to Lang, running to his left. Cuts up field across the 20 to the 23-yard line. Brought down by Mike Johnson and the free safety, Chris Rockin. Gene Lang, a three-year veteran from LSU. He began the season as a starter, but then knee and ankle injuries took their toll, and Wilhite moved into the starting lineup along with Sammy Winder. Now I just got a funny feeling that Elway is going to go upstairs and throw this ball in this situation. They have just not been able to grind out consistently on the ground. I just get the feeling that any time he's going to throw in them long bombs. The Browns have their run defense in. Second down and six. Back goes Elway. Looks to his right. Guns a pass. It's dropped by the tight end Orson Mobley at the 31. It was right in his hand. It really was. And, and Elway walked disgustedly about 10 yards away from the huddle. He kind of took his hand, just kind of snapped it down and walked over to the sideline, of course, to get the play, but also just to vent his frustration because that ball was right in Mosley's belly. But it's cold. Fingers may be a little numb, and as hard as Elway throws the football, it's not as easy to catch as it may seem. Well, in fairness to Mosley, it's a tough catch, yes. But catchable. Third down and six from the 23, shotgun formation. Steve Watson goes in motion. Back goes Elway, setting up at the 12. Guns a pass out along the near sideline, and it's caught by Vance Johnson at the 28. Looks like it might be short. Oh, that's a critical mistake. You have got to get first down yardage. It was third down and about eight yards to go, and he just, when he made his curl pattern, he didn't make it deep enough. He caught the ball, he immediately went to the ground, and he comes up about a yard short, and they're going to have to punt. He picked up five yards, but they needed six for the first down, so it'll be fourth and one. Score tied, 13 all, 11-14 remaining. And Gerald McNeil turns to the dog pound and pumps his fist, and they react, howling and barking. McNeil, who is second in the AFC in punt returns, averaging 11.1. 
nice snap, and Mike Horan gets the kick away. Almost got it blocked. The wobbly spiral. McNeil will take it at the 32. Running to his left across the 35 to the 40 and tripped up at the 41-yard line. Had he broken that tackle, it might have been a big run back. And this is crowd. They're going to come alive with Bernie Kozar. They know he just drove down the field, and now they, they want another drive. They're going to scream and yell. We have 10.45 remaining in the fourth quarter with a score tied. 13 all. Hello, Morris. Hi, you or someone delivered an anniversary bouquet to my wife this afternoon. Oh, yes, Mr. Feld. The dozen long stems roses. I found them thrown on the lawn. Not again. Delco Electronics, case history number 29. You see, we just got a new delivery van, and it has a Delco music system in it. And well, you understand, once our people get to listening to it, they don't want to get out of I the know, van. I know, I know. I've got a GM car with a Delco music system. I know where of you speak. Is that stereo? Stereo is like being there. Yeah. You know what Delco does? What? When the GM vehicle is on the drawing uh, board, they design the sound right into it with all no, those fancy computer designs. Whatever the acoustics call for, Delco does it fearlessly. So no wonder our people don't want to get out of the van. Hey, can you blame them? I wouldn't <laughs> well, get out. No. Hopefully, though, they'll throw the bouquet on your porch next time. I'll tell them to aim for the actual porch. Thanks a lot. Happy anniversary. Bye. A warning. When you decide to get a Delco music system for your GM truck or van, you'll love it too much to leave it. So, did you tell that Florence a thing or two? Well, I got it all straight. Whoa, what was that? That sounded like bottles being thrown at our front door. I guess the milkman must have gotten a Delco, too. What? From the waves of the Second year in the National Football League, Bernie Kosar passed for 3,854 yards, the third best total in Browns history. And Kosar and the Browns will begin this drive from the Cleveland 40, moving right to left here at Chile Cleveland Stadium. Herman Fondo and Reggie Langhorn are wide to the right, with Langhorn the inside man. Clarence Weathers is split wide to the left. Kevin Mack is the lone setback. Bernie Kozar with a short drop, rolling to his right. Now in trouble, and loses sack, but goes down as Rulon Jones nearly took his head off. The good thing he got down, he might have been hurt. Well, he saw Rulon Jones coming from his left side as he stepped into his pocket, and he immediately went to the ground. And Rulon was right there in, well, golly, if he had, if he had hit him, he'd have broke his neck on that play. He really was coming full blast and had those arms out, was going to make the big tackle, and Kozar just ducked underneath it, and, and well, he got sacked, but he avoided the big hit. Avoided decapitation. Boy, he did on that play. Wow. But he'll take the sack instead. <laughs> Jones, during the season, had 13 and a half sacks, the new Bronco record. Loss of three at second and 13 from the 38. Score tied, 13 all, 10-11 left in the fourth quarter. Kozar backpedals into the pocket. Fires underneath, and it's caught by Brennan near midfield at the 49. And he's tackled by Dennis Smith and Mike Harden. Brian Brennan, the all-time leading receiver in Boston College history. And about eight yards will be third and two. I was just going to bring up a point, I think, that can bear some, some, have some bearing on this game. And that was when Denver had to settle for those two field goals, when they had that first down on about the three-yard line and were unable to get it in. Then when they ran that interception down there, Again, they were unable to punch it in and had to settle for two field goals. 
that could be a big factor in this game because they should have scored touchdowns. Anytime you've got first down inside the five, you should be able to drive it in. Langhorn and Fontenot are wide to the right. Weathers wide to the left. A handoff to Kevin Mack planning to his right, and he's stacked up near midfield by the veteran Tom Jackson. They needed two yards for a first down, but he didn't get it. Well, there's no decision for Schottenheimer, Coach Schottenheimer from the Cleveland. They have got to punt the ball in this situation. Crowd is yelling, go for it, but uh, boy, that could be a critical mistake in this situation. Looks like they're going to go for it. Wow. Hold on. Staying in there. They don't get it. Denver's going to have great field position. Dave Pizzulli is in there. They like to use him as a lead back, as a fullback in short yardage situations. He's a defensive lineman, but they use him much like the Bears did with Refrigerator Perry last year before he ballooned up to 350. Pizzulli is a 260-pounder. He'll be the lead back in the eye along with Kevin Mack. Fourth and one from the 50-yard line. Bernie Kozar up to movement on the right side. The right tackle, Cody Risen, pointing at one of the Broncos, Jim Ryan. Question is, who moved first? Well, now, he wasn't a tackle. He was playing a position. He was playing the end man. Now, he can re-skip. He was in a three-point position, but he can re-skip. Well, start number 63, simulating the start of a play. Five yards, fourth down. Against Risen. Down. What he meant is a five-yard penalty. He said he simulated the start of a play. He can shift, but he can't do anything to draw the defense offside, and that's what he did. Looked like he was setting up the pass block. I think he was. Fourth and one. Now, I'll tell you the truth. I think that Cleveland will punt now. I think they certainly should punt. I would greatly disagree with that play. You just don't go for it to do what's safe in a situation like this. We now the punting unit comes on. Now, he may, Kozar may have been trying to draw the defense offside, take the five-yard penalty, and then punt the ball. That's what I thought he may have been trying to do, but if they had gone for that and not made it, they'd give Denver great field position. So this Matt penalty... Cleveland's calling for a timeout. <laughs> Jeff Gossett was back in punt formation, and frantically was signaling Cleveland. for a timeout. Well, they have got, really, seriously, if you go for that play and you don't make it, you give Denver great field position. That's a, that's a crazy play. I, don't, I think that penalty may have been the best thing that happened to Cleveland. Because now they're forced to punt it. Wow. Crazy play unless it works. Keep well, the drive alive. Well, but wait a minute now. What happens if it doesn't? <laughs> if they if they get a bad snap? If the running back slips? There's so many things that can go wrong. Well, on apparently that. Marty Schottenheimer has great confidence in his defense. Well, I I understand what he what you're saying, but that is a foolish play. You just have to play the percentages. It's like taking points off the scoreboard. When you kick a field goal and you and you get that, and all of a sudden you get a penalty and you take those points off, there's a lot of times. You won't score after that, so that would have that could have been a crucial play in this game. Speaking of Marty Schottenheimer, he has some ties to Bronco assistant Joe Collier. He played for Collier with the Buffalo Bills in the AFL. He was his linebacker coach, and then Marty was out of football, working as a real estate developer in Denver for three years. Decided he wanted to get back into football, and he used to visit Joe Collier, who was then a Broncos assistant, and visit with him. And finally, at Joe Collier's urging, he got back in the game, and Joe put him in touch with Dick Corey, who was the head coach of the Portland Storm in the World Football League, and they signed Marty Schottenheimer as a player coach. He hurt his shoulder and was unable to continue as a player, but that began his coaching career. Well, he's been a great defensive coach here. He was a defensive coordinator for several years under Sam Martigliano. Then he took over when they fired Sam Martigliano, and they've had their greatest success. Gerald Wilhite is standing back at the Denver 12, awaiting the kick by Gossett. Here comes a big rush. He gets the kick away. A high driving spiral. Wilhite will take it at the eight. Running to his left, and he falls 
down at the 12-yard line, and three Cleveland Browns are all over him. Great punt by Gossett, 47 yards. Kind of surprising that Wilhite decided to run it back. Well, you don't catch the ball inside your own 10-yard line. You let the ball carry into the end zone. He didn't do it. Now they're backed up on their own 12-yard line. And with 8.34 remaining in this AFC Championship game, we'll take a break. Hi, this is Mike Ditka. You know I'm the kind of guy who hates controversy. That's why I always rent from Budget. Budget gives you more than just a car. And here's a special deal. Now for a limited time, you can get a poster of me free when you rent a car at any of Budget's 53 Chicagoland locations. So go with a pro. Rent a quality car from Budget and get a free poster of me. Or, if you don't need to rent, pay two bucks and get one anyway. Take it from me, Mike Ditka. It's worth it. Mel Proctor with Dave Rowe in Cleveland. This is the NFL on NBC. Chrysler Plymouth dealer, you've got a lot to believe in. You can believe in the quality of Chrysler Corporation Engineering. You can believe in his lineup of high-technology front-wheel drive cars to get you around all winter. And with every new car back for five years or 50,000 miles, there's no doubt you're getting the best fire protection plan in the business. See your local Chrysler Plymouth dealer today. He's ready to make you a believer. Now I'm a believer. I'm a believer. Again, this drive from their 11-yard line with 8.34 remaining in the fourth quarter. Score tied 13-all. John Elway's completed 13 of 24 passes for 106 yards and intercepted one. Here come the Broncos moving left to right. Steve Watson puts on wide to the left. Mark Jackson, a little 5'9", 170-pound rookie, is wide to the right. Winder and Langer, the running backs, the handoff to Winder, slamming to his left, and he's cut down at the 12-yard line by Sam Clancy. The former basketball star at Pitt, who played with the Seattle Seahawks and then in the USFL before coming back to the NFL with Cleveland. And Clancy almost tackled that ball away from him that time. He went in there, and on his tackle, he grabbed the football, almost pulled it loose. Second down and nine from the 13-yard line. Winder is the lone setback. Double tight ends for the Broncos. In fact, they have all three tight ends in the game now. One of them is a U-back. Mobley is in motion. Elway with play action. Sprinting to his right. Fires on the run. It's incomplete at the 20-yard line and nearly picked off. He tried to hit Steve Watson. Frank Minifield broke it up. What a play by Minifield. The ball, the ball was thrown into Watson. He had it. Minifield got his arm inside and ripped that ball out before Watson could pull it all the way in. Great man-on-man -man coverage. You wonder why they're considered two of the best tandem quarterbacks, tandem of cornerbacks, Dixon and Minifield. Unbelievable man-on-man -man coverage. Just tremendous coverage. Clint Sampson, Vance Johnson, Mark Jackson, Steve Watson, four wide receivers in the game now for Denver. Three of them. Jackson, Watson, and Johnson are wide left. Sampson is wide to the right. Wilhite's in there in the backfield, and Elway will throw from the shotgun. 
He retreats to the five. The quarterback draws across the 10 to the 15, 20, 25, and down to the 27-yard line, but there's a penalty marker down. And where it was thrown might indicate a hold against Denver. Almost definitely a hold, and it was a designed play for a quarterback draw. What Elway does is he takes the ball, drops back about four to five yards, and then finds that seaman with his ability to run. He's got great speed. Four, six feet, he scrambles up there, but it's a hold against Denver Broncos. They're going to bring it back, march off the penalty, and it'll be about Holding the seven-yard line. Number 64, half the distance to the goal, third down. Holding call on the center, Billy Bryan. To mention Elway's running ability, let us see quarterbacks in rushing. He averaged 4.9 yards per carry this year. Now facing a third and 15 situation from the seven-yard line. And now he had a tremendous play last week from this distance. Got that great scampering ability. 7.44 left in the fourth quarter, a 13 all time. Elway from the shotgun, retreating into his end zone, getting some pressure, and he throws underneath to Steve Sewell with two blockers in front of him across the five to the 10. Cuts back at the 15. He jumps at the 17 yard line, short of a first down. Mark Harper made the tackle. And Elway absolutely mud, head to toe. He's got mud on his complete uniform. He had to take a hit that time to draw the defensive line in and allow them to rush him. He had to wait the last second to dump that ball off on the screenplay. That's what makes it effective, and he took quite a hit in the end zone. Mark Harper, Cleveland defensive back, is shaken up on the play. He started to walk off the field, was a little wobbly, and then collapsed at the 22-yard line. Well, and two of the trainers are out to check on him. They run out quickly, and of course, those are not charged timeouts. Anytime a player is hurt on the field now, they take a referee's timeout to allow them to come out and to, to, it used to be the old thing get to the sideline we can't waste the timeout and they just about drag people off and the nfl came out and said listen we'll call a timeout anytime there's an injury we'll call a timeout and we'll allow that player to get off the field and now harper is being helped off the field kickers have been important in today's game both putters gossip haran have had outstanding days each place kicker Mark Mosley and Rich Thomas have kicked a pair of field goals. I see the, one of the referees has come all the way over here to the sideline. I don't know what he's doing. Everybody. Mike Horan is into punt. The ice cube, Gerald McNeil, is back deep, standing at the 40-yard line of Cleveland. He was so named by the punter, Jeff Gossett, who saw an ice cube on his plate during training camp. Said they noticed how slippery and elusive the ice cube was. He looked at Gerald McNeil and said, that ice cube reminds me of, uh, of you. So I'm going to call you Ice Cube. I thought maybe it was because he could have fit on the refrigerator's back easily uh, and have lots of room to run around. <laughs> no, no Dave. No way, huh? <laughs> Don't you think he could sit on the refrigerator's back and have plenty of room to dance? The and... <laughs> refrigerator would probably eat him. <laughs> Seven minutes remaining in the fourth quarter. The officials are still over along the near sideline. The 30-second clock has not worked for most of the game. They're keeping it down on the sideline. Reminder that we've got more football action coming up. The NFC Championship game live from Giants Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Don Tricky and Bob Trumpy bring you all the action right after this one. And then after the game, you'll have a chance to talk with Trump by calling 1-800-NFL-LIVE. So keep your dial tuned to the NFL on NBC. And now in this situation, I just noticed that Cleveland put 10 men up on the line of scrimmage. I think they're going to come after this punt. 
by Coran standing at the two-yard line. He's the third putter used by the Broncos this year. If the Browns go for the block, Coran gets the kick away, a low driving kick. McNeil backs up, takes it to the 38, running to his left across the 40, 45, trying to get outside, and he's knocked out of bounds rudely along the near sideline to 47-yard line. Rick Dennison made the tackle, a 44-yard kick by Horan. A good field position for the Cleveland Browns. A 13-all tie with 6.40 left in the fourth quarter. And great field position. If you're an offensive unit, you get the start on your own 46-47 yard line. That is great field position because you only need two or three first downs and you're in field goal position. Cleveland's kicking game has given the Bobs good field position. By contrast, the Broncos have had poor field position most of the day. Cleveland begins this drive from the Browns 48. Clarence Weathers is wide to the left. Reggie Langhorn and Herman Fontenot are wide to the right. Kevin Mack is the lone setback. The tight end Holt moves from the left side to the right. Bernie Kozar takes the snap, drops back to throw, swings it out of the backfield to Mack, who drops it. And it's incomplete at the 40-yard line. A little swing pass to Kevin Mack. And Rick, Ricky Hundley was right there in coverage for the Denver Broncos. And now Bernie Kosar has to go downfield. It's second down and 10. Again, almost a sure passing situation. He has to go down and pick up that 10 yards. You just can't squander these opportunities. When you get great field position like this, you have got to capitalize on it. You've got to move down in your opponent's field. You just can't keep on trading punches. This, this is time for a knockout punch for Cleveland. And now Gerald McNeil is in as a wide receiver. He was a great receiver in the USFL with Houston. He had 58 catches for over 1,000 yards in 1985. Four wide receivers in the game for the Browns. On second and ten, Koza on a draw, hands to Fontenot, running to his right to midfield, lowers his head, drives forward to the 48-yard line. Tackled by Simon Fletcher as the Browns tried to cross up the Broncos for the draw play. One of the things, of course, is getting darker here. It's getting, getting colder. And I look down there, Kozar's got his hand inside his jersey trying to keep those fingers warm, especially on that passing hand. Bernie Kozar has completed 15 of 29 passes for 200 yards. He's been intercepted twice. And has also thrown a touchdown pass. Langhorn out wide to the right along with another receiver, Brennan. And Weathers is split to the near side. Back goes Kozar. Looks to his left, firing long downfield for Brennan, and it's caught the 15, down the sidelines to the 10, 5, touchdown! <laughs> Brian Brennan had to come back and get the ball that made the catch of the 15, broke away from Dennis Smith and took it in for a touchdown to gave the Cleveland Browns the lead. Now that's the knockout punch that the Cleveland Browns needed. They Championship game. And you got to believe, and that's what Cleveland does. 
does. They believe in the ability of Bernie Kosar. He threw that ball up really just for grabs. And Brennan was able to come back and find it. He had the vision to look back. He knew the pass was intended for him. He looked back and found it, came down with a big catch. And they are raining dog biscuits in the end zone. And they must have about 40 or 50 security there trying to keep the dog bone biscuit thing from uh, fluttering up the field. It's amazing the number of dog bone biscuits that are being thrown all over this place. that first down by running 
That's something that Kosar does not have the ability to do. Or he can just hand the ball off the winder and hope they pick up two or three yards going wide. But this is an awfully big play from John Elway. If they don't make it, they'll barely be able to punt out past midfield. Remember the Super Bowl here on NBC Radio from Pasadena, California. That's on January the 25th, beginning at 5 p.m. Eastern time of the pregame show. Hosted by Bob Costas and Don Crickey and Bob Trumpy will bring you all the play-by-play. -play. And after the game, 1-800-NFL-LIVE is the number to call to talk football on the NFL Live. John Elway has completed 15 of 27 passes for 142 yards, one touchdown, one interception. The attendance this afternoon, 79,958. 953, 79953. There are only 58 no-shows. Well, I think all of Cleveland is here today. There's a there's a lot of people, and they're all dressed in orange, the Cleveland Browns orange, that is. Each team has two timeouts left, 4-17, remaining in the fourth quarter. Cleveland leading 20 to 13. I'd like to thank our spotters, Chuck Day and Marty Shingler, and our statistician, Don Drevis, for their help this afternoon. Here come the Broncos, moving left to right. A big down here. Third down and two at the 10-yard line. Will Height and Winder, the running back. Steve Sewell is in motion from a wing right. Elway on a handoff to Winder. Grinding out, cross the 10, close to a first down. He needed two yards. Looks like he's got it. Oh, it's going to be close. It all depends where him. Oh, I think that's real close. They may have to measure this one. The Broncos are indicating they've got it. The Browns are saying now he's a foot short. And they will measure. It's awfully close. What a big play. I was surprised by that call. They just ran a quick fold in the middle. It's almost like a trap where the center and the guard kind of exchange positions. One fires out, the other one fires behind him, and they try to split the defense. He didn't make it by much if, in fact, he did make it. They stretch out the chain. And it's a first down. By less than the length of a football. First down for Denver at the 11-yard line. A long way to go with 4-11 left, and the Broncos trailing by seven points. The Browns have taken, taken a deep throw away from Elway this afternoon. Steve Watson is wide to the left. Two tight ends of the game for the Broncos. Vance Johnson in the slot left. He comes in motion. Elway on the handoff to Winder. Straight ahead off left tackle. Stacked up at the 15-yard line. Does this play selection surprise you a little, Dave? Absolutely. I think he ran head-on into Anthony Griggs, just right face-to-face. -face. And I'm thinking it's time for Elway to throw the ball up in the air. That's the, that's the way that he moves the ball effectively, and he's not doing it. He's trying to run, use, use the clock up. I don't know why he'd want to use the clock up. There's only 3 minutes and 39 seconds left, and it's counting down. It's time to go to the air show for John Elway. And he's got to go 85 yards to tie it. Second down and seven from the Broncos 15. Sewell and Wilhite are in the backfield. Elway back to throw. Getting some pressure. Scrambling to his left across the 10 of the 15-20 and dives forward to the 26. The ball pops loose, but Elway recovers immediately, and it's a first down for Denver. Mike Johnson was there to make the tackle. Looks like the Broncos will line up without a huddle. And we're under three, just about under three minutes. The game to the 25-yard line. Cleveland leading 20 to 13 as the Browns try to advance to the Super Bowl to meet the winner of today's game between the Giants and the Redskins. Steve Watson's put out wide to the right, picked up by Frank Minifield. Sewell was in the backfield with Wilhite. 
Elway with a play-action fake. Back to throw. Fires over the middle. He's got Steve Sewell making a leaping catch at the 49-yard line. And it's the first down for the Broncos near midfield. Chris Rockins really drilled Sewell, but he made the catch. Sewell's got those great hands. He can play both wide receiver and he can play a back. Running back, he's, he's alternated between it all season long. He runs down the center of the field. And Elway, with that rocket for an arm, just drills the ball to him. And that was a chunky yard. Now they're almost out to the 50. Sewell did not catch many passes in college. He was part of a wishbone attack at Oklahoma. Back goes Elway on first down from the 48. Looks to his right. Guns a pass to the near sideline. It's caught at the 40-yard line by Steve Watson. He's hit there by Frank Minifield. But Elway has the Broncos moving as we get to the two-minute mark. And that's a two-minute warning. But there'll be no warning when the lights go out. Keep an ever-ready flashlight close at hand. More power to look. More power to say. More power to pray. More power to see We see today. Ever ready. More power to the USA. Ever ready makes every kind of flashlight for every kind of need. More power to the Billy, yes. in this scene, you enter the bar, order a beer, then... Stephen, my character's a man who won't settle for less than the best. He'd God. ask for Bud Light. Billy, sweetie, booby. Bud Light's the light beer with the first name in days. Uh, Charlie, Bud Light behind the bar. I am a stickler for authenticity. <laughs> ask for Bud Light, because everything else is just a light. Take one. And action. Barkeep, Bud Light. Yes, General Washington. Uh, how's Valley Fork? Those red coats are a nasty lot. Cut, beautiful. <laughs> and I'm the bush, St. Louis, Missouri. Mel Proctor with Dave Rowe back at Cleveland Stadium where John Elway has the Denver Broncos moving down to the Cleveland 40-yard line with two minutes left. Both teams have two timeouts remaining. Cleveland leads 20-13. to 13. Shades of the Fiesta Bowl, Mel, that's what it seems like. And we had the great Vinny Testaverde, and we were there. They drove down the length of the field. It's just what it's like. Came down to one play. Came down to one play, and that's what this game looks as if it's coming down to. Elway's got his team moving. He's moved from inside his own two-yard line. He's now down on Cleveland's 40-yard line, and he is throwing rockets out there for passes. I mentioned 20 is the magic number for Denver. When they scored 20 or more points, they've gone 12-0. When they scored less than 20, they're 0-5. For the Browns, when they scored 20 or more, they are 11 and 1, and right now they lead 20 to 13. Now, what happens if both teams score 20? Did you ever? <laughs> overtime. Overtime is right. The Browns with a double overtime last week against the Jets, the third longest game in NFL history. Steve Watson and Vance Johnson split out wide to the far side. Will Knight and Stuhl are split behind Elway. He drops back, a deep drop to midfield, steps up to elude a sack, throws long downfield, and it's incomplete as he tried to hit Vance Johnson along the near sideline at the five-yard line. I'll tell you, this is gut time now. I can tell you what it's like as a player to be down there. If you're a defensive player, you're, every play is the most important play. You don't want to let him score. You realize that, this, I mean, everything rides on this. This is a trip to the Super Bowl you've played. For 20 weeks, you've been practicing, you've been playing. It's down to a minute 52 seconds. If you're a defensive player, I'll tell you, you dig deep, and you tell the character of your team right now if you're defense. The same thing is true on offense. You've got to drive the ball down. Every catch is so important. Every block is vital. Wow, it's, a, it's just it's tremendous football time. Second down and 10 for the Denver Broncos at the Cleveland 40-yard line. Vance Johnson splits to the right. Steve Watson is wide left. Back goes Elway. Getting pressure, and he is going to be stopped. 
away, dropped by Dave Prezuli at the 49-yard line. A loss of nine yards on the play. Denver's going to have to call a timeout to stop the clock with a minute 47 seconds left. That leaves them one timeout. Denver! So the Broncos call a timeout with a minute 47 remaining and Cleveland leading 20 to 13. You'll love Vicks Vitamin C Drops. They're new. A delicious new vitamin C for you. Great orange taste mixed with vitamin C from Vicks. Vicks Vitamin C Drops melt in your mouth for a delicious new way to get your full daily allowance of vitamin C. If vitamin C is what you lack, try Vitamin C Drops in bag or pack. Great orange taste mixed with vitamin C from Vicks. Vitamin C Drops from Vicks, of course. <laughs> Dave Pizzulli sacked John Elway for a nine-yard loss. It'll be third and 18 from the 48-yard line. Pizzulli has replaced Bob Golick in nose tackle. Pizzulli normally in there against the, the run. That time in a passing situation, he comes up with a sack. I think Golick is hurt. Well, Golick came to the sideline, bent over. What a big play for John Elway and company. I would look for him probably go to Watson. He's probably going to try a curl play to try to pick up about 12, 15 yards. They need 18 yards for a first down. Browns have six defensive backs in the game now. Of course, he can scramble if he can. If he's able to step up through there with that great speed he has, he can scramble. This may be the biggest down of the game. Cleveland leads by seven with a minute 47 left. The Broncos have got to convert this third down situation, and it's third and 18 from the Cleveland 48. or broken 13 Denver passing records. They're only 11 yards away from Craig Morton's career total of 11,895 yards. He's won 34 regular season games over the last three years. Only Dan Marino from Miami has won as many. Shotgun formation on third and 18. Steve Watson in motion, a bad snap, but Elway takes it, drops back, fires over the middle, and it's caught! Taken at the 30-yard line by Mark Jackson. He's driven back, and it'll be interesting to see where they mark his forward progress. Looks like he's got the first down. He does. They mark his forward progress about the 28. Denver will line up without a huddle with a minute 27 left. First down for the Broncos at the 28. Back goes Elway. Looks to his right and throws it out of bounds to stop the clock. He didn't want to have to use the timeout. Well, he was trying to get Watson to go down the sideline and just kind of slow down, fake that he was going to go out and then speed up. But Watson was well covered. It's just awfully hard to attack against these cornerbacks, Minifield and, and Dixon. They just take it away from them. They're the, they're the top dogs, so to speak, on this dog defense. And now they're going into that end zone where the dog pound is, and you know the bones are going to rain coming out of there. Lance Johnson, the Broncos, said he'd heard about Cleveland Stadium. They were looking forward to 80,000 fans dressed up like dogs, howling and barking. Barking is going to be a little frightening. They're driving right toward the dog pound. You can hear them howl from way up here in the press box. Back goes Elway on second and 10. A screen pass to Sewell across the 30, 25, 20. Cuts back to the 15 and down to the 14-yard line. With a minute nine left, he's given Denver a first down. Cleveland leading 20 to 13. The Broncos trying to line up without a huddle again as they move the chains. First down at the 14-yard line. Elway will stay in the shotgun. He's got it going now. He throws into the end zone for Watson, who makes a leaping grab, and he's knocked out of bounds. 
He made the catch out of bounds. Well, I thought I saw a flag. There may have been something that was thrown from the end zone. I think it was a bone or something thrown from the end zone. I thought it was a flag for a second. <laughs> it's a dog biscuit. <laughs> well, it was a big dog biscuit. Those are big dogs. <laughs> well, you hate to see that now. You know, in fairness of the game, you don't want something like that thrown out when a wide receiver's going out for a pass. It looks like a kennel down there around the 10-yard line. There are dog bones and biscuits all over the field. Second and 10 from the 14-yard line. Four wide receivers in the game for Denver. Elway drops back. Now he's going to run. Running to his right across the 15 to the 10. Slides out of bounds at the 5-yard line. Mike Johnson chased him out of bounds. 42 seconds left. And he may have gotten the first down. I don't know. It's going to be awfully close. He's right at the five-yard line. I think he had to go to about the four, Mel. Maybe the four and a half. So it may be third down and about a foot. John Elway has rushed for 58 yards this afternoon. It'll be third down and one at the five. 42 seconds left. Denver has one timeout left. Samson is wide to the left. Steve Watson is wide to the right along with Samson and Jackson. Four wide receivers. Elway from the shotgun. Back pedal, looking, fires into the end zone. It's caught for a touchdown by Mark Jackson. And I smell overtime as debris comes flying out of the dog pound. Jackson, the rookie from Purdue, making a great catch on a slant over the middle in front of Chris Rockins. And now what a throw by John Elway. <laughs> Give him some credit for that throw. That was an unbelievable throw. He sees Johnson when he makes that cut, and I mean he throws that thing just... It took no time at all for that ball to get there. If you don't get it, it's going to stick in you. Mitch Carlos is never going to have a bigger kick than this. But Elway and company drove 99 yards on that drive. That shows the character of the Denver Broncos. Gary Kubiak will hold for Rich Carlos as he attempts to tie it at 20. There's the snap. The ball is spotted down, and Carlos' kick is good. So the Denver Broncos have tied it up. John Elway throwing a touchdown pass to Mark Jackson. Thomas conversion ties it at 20 with 37 seconds left. And now a fight breaks out down near the 15-yard line. Penalty markers are flying. They're getting into it pretty good. Well, we got several fights. I see one about the five-yard line. A couple guys holding each other. Oh, boy. Well, this is usually the one where personal foul on the offense, personal foul on the defense, and, and nobody suffers. Ken Lanier of the Broncos is mixing it up with Chris Rockins and a couple of other Browns. Boy, the Broncos drove downfield right into the dog pound and put it in for six. 99 yards. That was an unbelievable drive. And there were, there were two or three plays on that drive that were just critical plays. Third downs where they picked up. Remember the one that they picked up around the 20-yard line, 18-20-yard line, which they made by the length of a football. A 14-play, 99-yard drive. Elway with a five-yard toss to Mark Jackson. And we're tied at 20 with 37 seconds left. Cleveland has two timeouts remaining. Now, if you're if you're the Denver Broncos, you do not want to kick to the dangerous kick returner that uh, that Cleveland has, Gerald McNeil. You just want to kick the ball to him. He can return. Of course, he has returned one all the way. So you're going to probably want to squib the ball on the ground, not Ger to give him a chance. Gerald McNeil is the first man in the NFL to return a punt and a kickoff for touchdowns since Tony Green of the Redskins in 78. Number 31 on the offense, on the white. Number 57 on the orange. They were offset. Offsetting penalties. I love that call. 
And almost every time there's a fight, it's always, it's always a personal foul on the offense, personal foul on the defense, and they negate each other. Kind of time, but what you do is you make sure the guy swings back at you if you take the swing at him. Saw John Elway at his best on that touchdown drive. Well, that's why he has the talent that he's going to the Pro Bowl. Uh, that's why he has that ability. Of course, Bernie Kosar is, uh, well, I guess you'd say understudy a little bit age-wise. He's got the ability to do the same thing with the Cleveland Browns. He did it last week. They were down 10 points, less than four minutes. He drove down the field twice, scored a field goal, then a touchdown, or a, excuse me, a touchdown, then a field goal to tie. Took him in overtime and won. So we, this is everything that we expected this game to be. Rich Collis is set to kick off with 37 seconds left. Gerald McNeil, Reggie Langhorn, Herman Fontenot are back deep for Cleveland. McNeil, the deepest of the three, standing at the six. He picks up a dog bone and moves it. He won't slip on it as he prepares to run one back. Collis hooks the kick, headed toward the far sidelines, and it's out of bounds. Well, penalty coming up against Denver. Now, you know what's interesting about right now is that the wind has just about died off down on the field. I'm looking at the flags on the top of the goalpost. I think it's blown every conceivable direction <laughs> today. It really has not been consistent. So maybe it's taking a breather. But anyway, if they can get this field goal, this, this kick is going to be kicked five yards farther back. If McNeil can get good field position, Kozar can pick up a couple quick passes with 37 seconds. They may get a shot with Mark Mosley kicking a long field goal. He's got a great leg. And we know that we talk about his consistency. He has kicked field goals over 50 yards consistently, and uh, we might get a shot, Mel. Well, he didn't have much luck from beyond 40 yards this year. He had no attempts from 50 yards and beyond. was one for five from 40 to 49 yards out. He doesn't kick the long field goal as well as he did earlier in his career. Collis with a line drive kick. McNeil runs up the field, and it gets by him, rolling inside the 10. Still trying to pick it up. He's got it at the 5, out to the 10, heading for the near sidelines, and he's pushed out of bounds at the 14-yard line by Randy Robbins. 31 seconds left. The Browns have two timeouts remaining. Of course, I was referring to that, that pass, the history that he had had. I remember he made several car kicks over 50 yards, but uh, I think that kick just took the, the chance of a field goal attempt out of the realm of this game. We're going to go to overtime with 30 seconds left. The longest field goal of Mark Mosley's career, a 54-yarder 10 years ago against Philadelphia. Let's pause five seconds for station identification. 25 degrees at 3 o'clock. This is 67 WMAQ Radio in Chicago. Here come the Browns moving right to left. They begin the drive at their own 15. Three wide receivers to the right side. Bernie Kozar is back to throw. Setting up at the 5, a screen pass. To Herman Fondo, slips the tackle to 15. He's dragged down to the 19-yard line. He wanted to get out of bounds, but was tackled by Freddie Gilbert and Simon Fletcher. And Cleveland will call a timeout with 21 seconds left. I'm out, Cleveland. Boy, that surprises me. I'm going to be honest with you. That surprises me. You've got 80 yards to go. You've got a long way. You've only got 21 seconds. The chances of you getting within field goal range are slim, and they call a timeout. I'd take my chances having a good kickoff or, or holding, a holding the team down there with my good defense. There's too many things that can go wrong for an offensive unit. A fumble, a missed handoff, a bad snap. There's just too many little things that can, can cause you a headache down this far down in your own territory. But I don't know if there have ever been a playoff where we've had two overtime games in, uh, by the same team. I can't remember that happening. My mind raced back. I, of course, I remember the Raiders one that we had several years ago. But I don't remember having one team go through back-to-back -back overtime games in the playoffs. 
The Browns last week went double overtime to beat the Jets on a Mark Mosley field goal. We're tied at 20 with 21 seconds left. Each team has one timeout remaining. Two great young quarterbacks hooked up in a shootout here at Cleveland Stadium. Bernie Kosar and John Elway. It'll be second down at six for the Browns to the 19-yard line. Two tight ends in there. Looks like they're just going to run it out, Dave, the way they're lining up. Well, that's what I would do. And that's what they'll do. They're just going to run it out and go to overtime. As Kozar takes the snap and drops down to one knee, they don't want to risk any sort of turnover. An interception here near their own goal line is going to run it out. I think Denver's going to use their last time out here. Well, that's what I was going to say. It's just it's foolish for them to try and, and run this block in this situation. It's foolish for them to try to run that long ball. Too many things can happen. You can get an interception. You can get a fumble. Uh, you're back inside your own 10-yard line. If you turn the ball over here, they've got a free kick and a field goal try, and they're not far back. you just got everything against you, and I think that's what Marty Schottenheimer came up with. The Broncos have used their last time out. Bernie Kozar has completed 17 of 32 passes for 253 yards. Has one touchdown pass and intercepted twice. Have an overtime period or so it appears, and then after this game is completed, whenever that might be, remember the Redskins and the Giants will be coming along from East Rutherford, New Jersey, with Don Crickey and Bob Trumpy, all to be followed by the NFL Live here on NBC Radio. And now I know if we get to that other game for our fans out there listening, we'll keep you updated on that other game. I'm sure we can flip back and forth. Maybe we can go to Bob Trumpy and Don Crickey. We don't want our fans to not miss that game, but we've got an exciting one here 20 to 20 with 11 seconds left. Move up to the line of scrimmage. 11 seconds left. Bernie Kozar will take the snap and wind down the final 11 seconds and will head for overtime. Bernie drops to one knee and that should do it. Now what we do now is we'll have a three-minute intermission at the end of the regular game and we'll continue a 15-minute period and they'll have two-minute intermission between that. So we've got an overtime game. Thank you, Art McNally. Well, I, I just read that in the book. <laughs> So at the end of regulation, this AFC Championship game, the Denver Broncos and the Cleveland Browns are tied 20-20. This is the NFL on NBC. Cleveland Browns have won this loss and are elected to receive to begin this overtime period. The score tied to 20-20. And right now, let's go to Giant Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey, as the Redskins and the Giants are getting underway as we throw you to Don Crickey and Bob Trumpy. Thank you, Mel. They are underway here at Giant Stadium on an unseasonably mild day from a temperature standpoint, but there is an enormous wind that's going to play havoc with both teams. The Giants have just stopped the Redskins. Three downs and out for the Washington offense. A punt into the wind was downed on the Redskins' side of the field. Now the Giants are set to go. First and 10 at their 48-yard line, a scoreless first quarter. The Giants with their first possession. Bill Sims dropping to throw. He's looking long. The wind at his back, and it's overthrown. So that's the first play for the Giants. We'll be coming back to Giants Stadium with his NFC Championship game after things conclude in Cleveland with overtime. Here's Mel Proctor. All right, thank you. Down on the sidelines, Bernie Kosar is warming up. Score tied 20-20. As we go to overtime, the Browns winning the toss. They'll be receiving and defending the west goal. The Broncos will kick off and defend the east goal. 
right now it appears that uh, the Browns will be moving into the wind against the wind on this drive. Well, I think they want the dog pound advantage. They want to be they want to have the dog pound at their back. But it's really important right now that they catch this ball on the run, get good field position by McNeil, get it out to about the 35-yard line so that they can start their drive. You don't want to fumble this ball down here then be, get held and have to punt the ball from deep in your own territory. The Browns have got an advantage right now. They've got the ball. They've got, the, they've got momentum going their way. They've got the crowd behind them. And they want to keep this sustain this drive and get it going. Score was tied 10 and 10 at the half. Rich Carlos kicked a 26-yard field goal for Denver in the third quarter to give the Broncos a 13-10 lead. Then Mark Mosley booted a 26-yarder for Cleveland to tie it at 13. The Browns took the lead on a 48-yard pass from Bernie Kozar, Bruce Brennan, to go up 20 to 13. And then the Broncos with an incredible drive, beginning from their one-yard line. They drove 99 yards on 14 plays. John Elway hit Mark Jackson on a five-yard touchdown pass, and Rich Carlos kicked the extra point to tie it at 20. The Browns then took the ball in the next possession deep in their own territory and elected to run out the clock to send it into overtime. First playoff meeting ever between these two teams. Rich Carlos will kick off. Dropping back deep for the Cleveland Browns to the ice cube, Gerald McNeil standing at the five-yard line. On the far side, Herman Fontenot, who's had a big day, is the receiver out of the backfield. And on the near side, Reggie Langhorn, a three-year veteran from Elizabeth City State. The same school that produced former Eagles quarterback Johnny Walton and former Dallas Cowboys lineman Jethro Pugh. Play moving right to left as Rich Carlett will get the overtime underway. Here's Carlos' kickoff. High end over end kick. McNeil moves upfield, takes to the 15, straight ahead of the 20, 25, 30, and he's dropped at the 30-yard line. A hard tackle by Ken Woodard of the Denver Broncos. And here comes Bernie Kozar. Now for young Mr. Kozar, it's important. Don't panic. Don't try to get it all at one time. Move down the field. Keep good offensive continuity. Use the run a little bit. It's a whole new ball game. Don't make a mistake. That's what costs overtime victories or losses, I should say, is overtime mistakes where you fumble the ball, throw an interception, get bad field position. Reggie Langhorn is wide to the right. Clarence Weathers put out to the far side along with Herman Fontenot. Kevin Mack is the lone back for the Cleveland Browns. Kozar will throw on first down. Drops back, looks to his left. Nothing there. Now he's in trouble. Scrambles up the middle, and he's stopped at the 31-yard line by Rulon Jones. A gain of only a yard. I think he kept his great rushing average alive there. He rushed for about .8 yards, which is his season average. But he came down. He, he had the, At least he had the foresight not to force the ball into coverage. When he went to his left, it was well covered. He came back to his right. They were well covered. He just decided he was going to run the ball. A lot of young quarterbacks, inexperienced, would have tried to force the ball in there. He did not. He's working against the third-best defense in the AFC during the regular season. Second down and nine for Kosar. Brian Brennan is in motion. Back goes Kosar, setting up at the 20. Looks right, fires to Brennan. And he's pulled out of bounds at the 38-yard line by Tony Lilly. Brian Brennan, who had 55 receptions during the regular season. Not very big at 5'9", 178. Very tough, fearless. He'll go over the middle and catch a pass and take a hit. Got great hands. Well, to be compared in the same breath with a Steve Largent shows the ability that he has and the respect 
that the Cleveland Browns have for him. He is that type of a that type of a player. He can just go down there and just, like you say, fearless. We understand that Raul Allegra has just kicked a 47-yard field goal to give the Giants a 3-0 lead over the Washington Redskins in the NFC Championship game at Giants Stadium. They're down two for the Cleveland Browns at their 38-yard line. Kozar on the handoff to Herman Fontenot running to his right, and he does not have the first down. Stopped at the line of scrimmage by Carl Mecklenburg, a 230-pounder from Minnesota who began his collegiate career at Tiny Augustana College. Felt that he needed a bigger challenge transferred to Minnesota, played on a losing team where he was used primarily as a pass rusher and was not selected by Denver until the 12th round of the 1983 draft. Jeff Gossett is in to punt. Gerald Wilhite is back deep for Denver. So the Browns were unable to move on their first drive. Gossett's kick is a high kick, short kick. Wilhite takes it to 21, trips and stumbles, and he's dropped at the 25-yard line by Felix Wright of Cleveland. And now it's John Elway's turn. A 42-yard kick. And now Elway has the same problem as Kozar. They both have the same situation. Don't panic. There's so many young quarterbacks, and both these are young quarterbacks, even though Elway has a couple more years' experience. You get into a situation like this, you haven't been in it, you know the importance of a game. Sometimes you try to force the ball, but Elway did so well on that last drive, I don't think he will. First down for Denver at the Bronco 25. Steve Sewell is in motion. The Broncos stay on the ground as a handoff goes to Sammy Winder straight ahead to the 30-yard line, a five-yard pickup. Last week against New England, Elway was forced to go to a running attack in the second half because he sprained his ankle in the first half, had difficulty shutting up on his throws, had difficulty running himself, so he handed off to his running back quite effectively. That was the big key to the Broncos' win. Second and five from the 30. Vance Johnson comes in motion. Elway's back to throw on second and five. Fires for Orson Mobley, and he makes the grab at midfield for a Denver first down. Brought down from behind by Ray Ellis of Cleveland. The big tight end, Orson Mobley. A 256-pound rookie from Salem College. Well, a lot of people we've talked in the past about him being compared to Riley Odom, the great tight end for the Denver Broncos. And he showed why. 256 pounds, and he's downfield. 25 fields, uh, 25 yards running man-to-man -man coverage with the safety. He comes down with a big catch. Mobley stays in the game. He's got two tight ends, Mobley and Clarence Kay. Watson and Johnson are split left. The pitch to Sammy Weiner running to his left. Nearly trapped in his own backfield, and he managed to get out of bounds to the 50-yard line, but he'll lose two yards. Frank Minifield drove him out of bounds, but he was almost dropped for a bigger loss by Sam Clancy, who had him in the backfield, but he was able to get away. Well, he's got that great upper body strength, and he just stiff-armed the defensive back as he came up. If he doesn't do that, he loses about an extra five or six yards. Big play for John Elway and company. Second down about second down and 13 yards to go. They need to have a safe pass, but they need to have a complete pass. Rich Carlos' range is about 45 yards, although he has kicked a 51-yarder this year. It's the longest field goal of his career. It came in the first game against the Raiders. On second and 12, a deep drop by Elway. A screen pass, incomplete, and sent it for Steve Sewell and nearly intercepted by Big Sam Clancy. What a play by Sam Clancy. Now, he's the defensive tackle. He's rushing in there. All of a sudden, he sees the screen. What does he do? Stop rushing the quarterback. Filters out. He gets that big hand up in there, and he almost comes down with the biggest play of his young career. 
go through is right in the middle of the screen when Elway, when Elway had to throw it over there. Fortunately for Denver, he overthrew Sam Clancy. Third down and 12 for the Broncos at midfield. Mark Jackson is wide to the right. Steve Watson and Vance Johnson are wide to the left. John Elway sends Johnson in motion. Elway retreats inside his 40. Getting a rush. Steps up. Now scrambling to his left across the 40. 45. Throws downfield. And it's caught at the 22-yard line by Steve Watson. But it looked like Elway might have been past the line of scrimmage. Oh, it was awfully close. He was right on the line of scrimmage. I don't think they're going. I don't think they're going to call him past the line of scrimmage. He was right on the line of scrimmage when he pulled the ball down. He had both the run and the pass option, and he decided he just pulled up short and flipped that ball over there. What a big catch by Steve Watson! Wow, every play is a big play in this game, and it kind of stuns the crowd because now they're in Rich Carlos's field goal range. The game to the 22-yard line of Cleveland. The score tied 20-20 in overtime. Clint Sampson is in the game now. He splits out wide to the right. Vance Johnson is wide to the left. And Elway is going to call a timeout. They have been called by Cleveland. Timeout, Cleveland. Yep, Brown's called the timeout. Well, you can't take them with you. <laughs> so we've got a timeout with 11.03 remaining in overtime. It's Denver 20 and Cleveland 20. Hi, this is Mike Ditka. You know, I'm the kind of guy who hates controversy. That's why I always rent from Budget. Budget gives you more than just a car. And here's a special deal. Now, for a limited time, you can get a poster of me free when you rent a car at any of Budget's 53 Chicagoland locations. So go with a pro. Rent a quality car from Budget and get a free poster of me. Or, if you don't need to rent, pay two bucks and get one anyway. Take it from me, Mike Ditka. It's worth it. Cleveland 22 with 11.03 remaining in overtime. The score tied 20-20. The Broncos are already within Rich Carlos' field goal range. During the regular season, he was 8 for 8 from 30 to 39 yards out. You're looking at a 39-yard field goal right now. Yeah, but what they want to do is they don't want to try a 39-yard field goal. So what they are going to try to do is try to drive the ball down. I would look for them to run at least two times to try to get safe position right in the middle of the field. Then if they don't make it, maybe go to a safe pass. Elway swinging one of the backs out of the backways, out of the backfield. Nothing to threaten this situation or throw a possible interception. Then if they don't make it, then bring in Carlos. But I would think they're going to try to keep this drive alive. It's not time to bring him in yet. Then Sampson puts out wide to the right. Vance Johnson is wide to the left. Charles K and Orson Mobley, two tight ends in the game. Sammy Winder's the lone setback. Mobley is in motion left to right. Elway gives the Winder, slanting to his right, inside the 20, drives down to the 16-yard line. A gain of six yards on the play as Anthony Griggs, the right inside linebacker, made the tackle. And now when he carried that ball that time, he had both arms wrapped around that ball, keeping it in tight. Don't fumble. Just drive the ball down now. They just want to get good field goal position. And listen to this, 80,000 people, and not one of them is saying a word. Sam Clancy replaces Anthony Griggs on defense for Cleveland. Second down and five from the 17-yard line. 
Elway on the give to Winder straight ahead. Hit and dropped at about the line of scrimmage, the 16. A reminder that the executive producer of NBC Radio Sports is Jack O'Rourke. Today's game has been produced and directed by Fred Poser. The associate producer is Len Weiner. Production assistant, Eric Spitz. Engineering provided by Larry Schmegan here in Cleveland. By Mark Branker, Stuart Bell, and Joe Albig in New York. Briggs is back in on defense for the Browns. Third down, four from the 16-yard line. They don't get it here. They'll go for a field goal. Mobley is in motion. Elway gives to Winder, slanting right, runs right up the back of Keith Bishop, and he's dropped for no gain. And now it's time for Rich Caldas to come on to try to win this football game. This will be about a 33-yard attempt for Carlos. I mentioned he is 8 for 8 from 30 to 39 yards out. He's kicked two field goals today. Now we look for Cleveland to maybe call timeout to make him think about it a little bit more. They're lining up, but now if you're a good defensive unit, you say, hey, wait a minute, timeout, we want timeout. Let him think about it. Let him concentrate. Let him worry about it a little bit. Gary Kubiak will hold. Keith Bishop will center the football as the Denver Broncos try to win it in overtime. A 33-yard attempt by Rich Collins. The barefoot kicker from the University of Cincinnati trying to break a 20-all tie. The ball spotted down. The kick is on the way, and it is good. And the Denver Broncos have won it. The dog pound is silent as the Denver Broncos storm onto the field. Rich Carlos field goal gives the Broncos the win in overtime, 23 to 20. Today's game has been brought to you by Budweiser. Beachwood Age for that clean, crisp taste. This bud for you. By Ryder Truck Rentals. By Everetti Lighting Products. All kinds of flashlights for every kind of need. By Budget Rent-A-Car. We're going your way with affordable cellular phones and Lincoln Town Cars. And by Sherwin-Williams. For paint, wall covering, window treatments, or floor coverings, ask Sherwin-Williams. This is Mel Proctor for Dave Rose saying so long from Municipal Stadium in Cleveland. The final score in overtime, the Denver Broncos 23 and the Cleveland Browns 20. Coming up next, the Redskins and the Giants for the NFC Championship. This is the NFL on NBC.